Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win! Don't you open your mouth about the best. Oh, yo, I'm going to send it for you real quick. L-O-B. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? I got nothing to lose. It's nothing to man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. Instead of saying, why me? They're saying, this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland! This is for you! The way we approach the game is the same way we approach life. You do the right thing. You make the right play. Make the right play. And in life, it's the same thing. What do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? And you do that. You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And um, uh, I think it's just that. Welcome to what? The game. Me. To me. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of what the game means to me i'm the host one of your hosts one of two of the podcast jelani brown got my co-host thaddeus bell and some very special vps from off the ball network the greatest network alive the greatest sport letter network on this planet with me tonight to talk about some college football this week one these matchups these games all all the in and outs, the excitement, everything that's pretty much going on. Uh, it's been it's been a great weekend. It's coming to a close tonight, but definitely here to recap everything. But how you guys doing tonight, gentlemen? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing great, man. This is this is my time of year. Yes, sir. It is Jeff's time of the year. We definitely will get into that. We got we got we said a good show set up for you guys. Of course, we're gonna go over some of the big week one matchups. We got a, a little bit of preview. It just dropped. I say about what 20 minutes ago. Uh, Jeff's uh, first rankings of this uh, of the year, week one, um, college football playoff rankings, and um, so we'll, we'll get into some NFL talk later on. Preview the game on Thursday, some bold predictions, week one pickums, and everything. So uh, definitely, definitely excited to get into it. But uh, before we even hit on the games, obviously we got the first one, marquee matchup between the uh, I believe the five and uh, three seed uh, this past weekend. But before we get into that, I want to just ask everybody's just thoughts on uh, just the, the first week. Some of the games that we witnessed, um, just you know, just thoughts in general. I know we saw a few teams get upset, a few teams not look as good as we had hoped. Um, but I'll start. I'll just start from the top down. Jeff, what did you? What do you think? How we going? Uh, uh, like my overall take was, and you know, we we've kind of seen this happen over the last several years, and we saw it happen with college basketball. Is the best players are young in college football. So you have this divide now between the most talent is like probably 20 years old, maybe younger, right around that age. And then now you, but then you also have these super teams like UCLA who have all these super seniors, these older guys. We saw Minnesota with a veteran crew. So we're seeing this, this, the difference between 
you know, the 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 young guys coming up, you know, the five stars, but then the guys who have been around maybe almost, you know, maybe some of them three more years. So that's really what I noticed was like, you know, Bryce Young, you know, uh, CJ Stroud. These these young guys are the best quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, DJ. Um, um, was I, I I say it wrong every yeah, time? Yeah, but I say Igu DJ U. Yeah, <laughs> I apologize. Like they, a lot of people start calling him DJ U, so I'm gonna go DJ yeah. U. But so it's like the the best teams and the best quarterbacks are young, and then but then you had that that you had these veteran teams like maybe in Iowa State, which they look terrible, but UCLA. So that that's really what I noticed was how how quick can the young teams get up to speed before and resist an upset by a, a veteran team that understands what's on the line. Of course, of course, Dad, what did you think about this week's uh, matchups? First off, you know, I enjoyed uh, college football being back. A lot of good games, a lot of surprising games. Didn't expect uh, Georgia and Clemson to combine for zero offensive touchdowns, but it is what it is. It was a good game. You know, a lot of young stars filling in roles. Uh, Phil. Playing up to expectations, some not, you know, some questions need to be answered. But overall, just looking forward to a good season and exciting week one. You know, the best game of the week ended up being the game I thought where my team was going to get blown out by 25. But, you know, hey. That, 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 that is a good that is a good point because, like I said, that was probably the only time ever I actually wanted FSU to win the game because I'm just tired of seeing and hearing Notre Dame and then possibly maybe even being in the college football Absolutely. Y'all talk at the end of the year. Don't don't want to see it no more. So I was hoping you guys would, would, would done that in yesterday. But of course, you guys got kicker issues all the time and it did not it did not go away yesterday. <laughs> but Mo, what uh what do you think about week one? Um, this might be a hot take or whatever. Uh strength the strength of schedule argument has ruined college football. And I don't mean that this weekend was a bad weekend, but the strength of schedule argument is the reason why. Certain teams got upset in week one. The reason why there were certain games that are, are middle season, middle of the season games that were played week one. This is why Ohio State does not schedule a conference opponent week one. This is why they schedule FAMU or, or FAU or Eastern Michigan. This is why Miami, who was had all these high expectations, the, the momentum for the rest of the season might be over with. You don't because they don't play Bama. You you tune. This is what tune up games are for. Now you have Clemson who doesn't control their own destiny, in a sense, uh, on the road to the playoffs. You have Ohio State, who who got luck. I won't say got lucky. I mean, they, they out-talented Minnesota, but they were on the fortunate side of they didn't go on a conference game on the road in week one and get upset. You had LSU, who goes on the road against a good UCLA team, not great or anything, but a good UCLA team, and UCLA had already played a game, and LSU goes to L.A., and loses, gets upset. You see the Georgia and Clemson, two teams that have national championship aspirations, but to have to get go two really good defenses, but with a lot of questions on the offensive end, they were neither one were ever able to get it going. And now, like, Georgia controls their own destiny and Clemson doesn't. And that's that's all off of week one. North Carolina with, with Heisman, Sam Howell, you know, Heisman possibility of Sam Howell lost at, at Virginia Tech. And everybody, you know, at Blacksburg is not a great place to play. But, like, this is why those aren't the schedule games for these top ten teams in week one. This is why they get a couple tune-up games. And this is even why uh, the SEC plays, like, one tune-up game, one good game against a Power 5 school. And then the last – in the towards the end of the season, 
you know, they end up playing like, you know, a Mercer or something like Alabama will have a Mercer on their schedule late in the season when everybody else is in the middle of conference play. But it's for the simple fact, like now there's certain teams that after week one need help going on to the rest of the season. And I think that's because of the strength of schedule argument. Georgia doesn't play Clemson week one if if Clemson never if Clemson's strength of schedule never comes into play when it's their time for the playoffs after one loss. SEC is the only schools that benefit from from strength of schedule. Everybody else has looked at when you only play conference play, you didn't have a strong schedule. And so Clemson having to schedule Georgia week one is because of the strength of schedule. Ohio State playing a conference opponent on the road is because of the strength of schedule and then going to play Oregon uh, next week. Like all of this strength of yep. schedule is the reason why certain teams don't control their destiny and, and aren't weren't ready to go week one. And, and this shows why this is why they play. They pay 600000 to go play those bad schools and beat up exactly. on them. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't have said any better. Well, what I don't like to to piggyback on that real quick because mm-hmm. I've been, I've been, I you know not to derail your show, Jelani. I, yeah. I love no, you you're guys, but it's that's to piggyback on what Mo said. This is a huge pet peeve of mine. Another thing about that is you got to quit putting these preseason rankings in front of the numbers and then and then and letting it matter. If you want to do it for fun, you know, if you want to put the rankings out there, but the but so now. Georgia gets all this credit for beating Clemson. So, honestly, Florida State looked better than Clemson last night. I watched the game. Florida State looked better if you just judge the teams on the field. But since Clemson had, you know, that – what was it, a three beside their name, Georgia gets all this credit for scoring a field goal against Clemson, and they're automatically like, oh, they're the second-best team in the country. Well, if they would have played Florida State – and it would have been, you know, a 10 to 3 win. Then everybody's saying, what's wrong with Georgia? I, I just, it's that, that stupid number beside the name at the, you know, beginning of the season. I understand it's for TV and all that, but it really, really derails things, like Mo said, for the rest of the season. And you, and you can't get past it. I watched Wisconsin and Penn State. Minnesota looked better than both of those teams, but it doesn't matter. Penn State's getting credit for beating number 15 because that's the number that was beside, you know, Wisconsin's name, even though not one person has seen these teams play a game before the weekend except for UCLA. So just to piggyback on that, it drives me nuts, and it does can steer the season until we get into, like, week 9 or 10 for these teams to possibly overcome this. Yeah. Well, you kind of you know, talked about hit on it a little bit, but, of course, like I said, we're going to go through some of the marquee matchups. And one of the ones was Georgia versus Clemson where – we saw a little bit of a, you know, obviously it wasn't as high-powered offense. It wasn't as entertaining as most of us would have wanted. Said both teams only produced three points offensively. But uh, I'll start from the bottom up and uh, start with you, Mo. Uh, just overall, what do you think about, you know, these two teams? Obviously, you know, it's a defensive matchup. And I don't even know if most would say that. Most would say the offense just looked a little, you know, stagnant for both sides. Um, you know, Georgia's defense was incredible, probably the best defense they had in a while, especially under Kirby Smart. Um but a lot of people credit them not being able to score or whatever due to not having uh, – I know Pickens wasn't there. You know, a few wide receivers, a few um, tight ends were, were injured and out. Um, but just what did you think overall about this uh, matchup? You you hit what you said in, in between all that. You hit it on the head. And it's – you don't know – we're going to give too much credit to both Georgia and Clemson's defense mm-hmm. because it was a 10-3 game. But, like, instead of upping what the defensive game – how about we talk about how bad both offenses look? Like, was it that the defenses were that great? Or is it that 
the defenses are both really good. Some of the better defenses in the country, but neither offense is as good as projected. And I think it's actually that. I think both defenses yeah. are pretty good. But even if, when we see teams with really good defenses, they still, I mean, you talk about 27-24, 31-27, and that's two teams with really good defenses and really good offenses. Like, it's a, sim, it's a great game. You love to watch it. But, I mean, even Alabama, like, who has a stifling defense, and I know, like, they were blowing out Miami or whatever, but, like, even Miami scores a touchdown. And, like, Alabama has a stifling defense. I would say Alabama's defense is just as good as these guys if not better, and even Miami scores a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So I would say, like, I think it's – we want to give credit to defense so much because defense has become so irrelevant in sports in today's game, and it's all about high-scoring affairs. But I think we have to slow down on all oh, Georgia. They're going to be – their defense is going to stop everything. Like, let's look at the offenses and realize that they just were stagnant. Like you said, Jelani, they just – they aren't as good as we thought. And, yes, DJU is a really good player. I had a great game against Notre Dame uh, last year, and I don't think he'll ever have this bad of a performance. But, I mean, I just can't see – like, I just don't see these defenses. Like, I don't see Georgia holding – there's no way you could tell me Clemson is the best offense they're going to play all year after that. And, and there's no way you could tell me – like, if that's the case, there's no way they're holding teams under 10 consistently. Like, somebody's going to put up 40 on Georgia – and Georgia might win, but somebody's gonna end up putting forty on Georgia, and everybody's gonna be looking at Clemson and be like, "Man, why, why, what went wrong that you couldn't do that?" And now Clemson's gonna roll over the weak ACC, and and really get no credit for it at this point. The ACC did not do due diligence to help Clemson yeah. out to bounce back from this loss. Big time. We got what one more? They got one more chance tonight, right now, and it's uh, it's not even looking too pretty. So, Dad, what did you think? I think it was a good game, a defensive game. Both offenses showed, you know, the first game jitters. It's typically it's like the first day of practice. It's pretty rough for the offense. You know, they struggle. The defense is flying around and offense for everything to go right on the offense side of the ball. All 11 players have to, you know, execute. And that wasn't the case. Two, def two great defensive minds with Kirby Smart and Brent Venables uh, really having a heavyweight battle all game. Both quarterbacks struggled. Both quarterbacks are, you know, potentially going to be quarterbacks to play on Sundays. But they, you know. They struggled. And I think DJU, it was just a thing of them not having a lot of people on the field. Uh, you know, a lot of new people, a lot of new players coming and filling in new roles. And then it just last year when DJU came in against Notre Dame, there was pressure because they wanted to stay undefeated, but there wasn't pressure. He's he's the guy now. Every all the you know, all everybody's looking at him. And I felt like he just needs to re, uh, relax. It was a big game, biggest game they'll play all season pretty much, besides maybe if they play in the college football playoff, if they make it. But, yeah. you know, I think he'll – from here he'll relax. He'll get better. Uh, JT Daniels, I wasn't too high on him. You know, he played well. He's a good game manager. I think he'll do everything he needs to do to keep Georgia, uh, you know, in title contention. But uh, overall, just a great game to set the tempo. It wasn't a pretty game, but it was some good football being displayed by two great uh, defensive minds. Yes, yes, and appreciate it. Shout out to uh, Kenneth, you know, chiming in. Always got to throw his little Mo is washed in there. Um, I don't think you're washed, Mo. I actually appreciate I, I appreciate the work you put in. I appreciate you for being on the show tonight. So uh, that's why I, I never I never interact when I see the Mo is washed in, uh, in, in the chat. Nah. 
But uh, Jeff, I guess to finish it out, what did you think about? I, I know you kind of already said it. Like, so we, we've seen well, the tweet. Well, every yeah, yeah, everything Mo said, I totally agree with. So I'll just like just go back and if you missed it, just skip back a few minutes. Like everything he said was great. Another thing I wanted to point out, um, you know. Thad brought it up. I know Thad. I know he's our quarterback guru at Off the Ball Network. I know how he feels, and I know that we both saw the same thing. JT Daniels actually played a worse game than DJU. His interception just didn't get returned for a touchdown. I mean, he had 135 yards, gentlemen, for what we're going to – if you if you think a quarterback gets 135 yards in a game this big, when once again, I, I we got to go back to it. Okay, so me and Mo have been preaching all, all season, so I'll just touch on this. All we heard all summer was Clemson was bringing all these defenders back. And Mo kept saying, well, you're bringing defend, you know, their defense back from a team that just got housed in the playoffs. So we're talking about this great defense. All these players came back. So that means we're admitting that this is the same defense that Justin Fields torched six months ago in the college football playoffs. Georgia got a field goal. I mean, like Georgia's defense is legit. They're awesome. Um, I, 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 I know that they're going to win a lot of games because of that. But like they got an eight, they got an eight win guaranteed defense. But we've got we got to see something out of the offense. And I know yeah. they're missing a lot of players. But you get give me two field goals, give me three. If they if they score nine points, I'm like okay, three. Yeah. I I don't like I don't. It's 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 a problem. I'll tell you what. Let's put it this way: as a as a fan of a huge program that has national championship expectations, when I watch Ohio State. If they play that game, I am not this week going. We're fine. That that's that's what I'm saying. I'm being honest. Yeah, and honestly, I'm a U.S. fan, so I really don't care about you know what UGA. Uh, <laughs> but it, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like you know, you see them. I don't want to use social media as an example, but they they're feeling great about this win because you know, like you guys have been saying, it's the top three opponents, Clemson. You know that they've been wanting. They probably had it circled on their schedule all year, but. There's so many red flags and concerns throughout this victory that they're not seeing. They're not seeing it. They're just seeing, oh, we, we got a dub. You know, they're on to Alabama. They figured, you know, our our, our path is straight ahead. Once we get to the SEC championship, mm. that's that's kind of you know when it decides if we go to the playoffs or not. But it, it's not that. Like you just said, the offense wasn't impressive. I know they're missing people, but like you said, that means if you only were able to get three points out of your offense, that means you weren't even able to get close enough. Like you said, give me two, three field goals, like somewhere within the 35-yard line area. So. Right. They weren't missing field goals. That's that's yeah. another great point. They didn't miss field goals. They didn't turn it over in the red zone. They weren't getting there either. I yeah. And I'm – I'm okay, maybe maybe Clemson's revamped that defense, but we literally just saw them get torched not that long ago. Like, they yeah. give up – they gave up 600 yards six months ago. Come on, man. Yeah. They can't be that good. That much better, yeah. But. And one thing I want to add really quick, mm -hmm. I feel like Clemson – they got to help DJU out. They they ran for, if I'm correct, 23 rushes for negative two yards. Yeah. I think they had two. Did they have two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're way off. You're way off that. They had two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you, you got to do something when the defense isn't threatened by the run game and they can just, you know, rush with four and drop back. It's just going to be a long day. DJ's not that experienced yet. He will be, but to be able to pick apart Georgia's defense yeah. like that. Because Kirby I, Smart knows what he's doing. So Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I do want to reiterate, Georgia's defense is legit. And that was yeah. great. That was great to watch what their defense did. I just – I, I had the, their defense and their offense aren't getting along in the locker room this week, let me tell you that. <laughs> exactly. Right, next game we're going to move on to, uh, you know, got our FSU fan, of course, that, and uh, Notre Dame. Mm. 
hit on this real quick. I'll actually get let you go first. Just thoughts, um, you know, on the matchup last night. Uh, surprise. I, going into the game, I just wanted the, uh, Florida State to compete. You know, I heard a lot of hype about a lot of grad transfers they got, a lot of, you know, recruits and stuff like that. But I wanted to see what they were going to do when the lights came on. And they play well. In years past, when they would get down by 18 or 14, you know, everybody would put their heads down and then they end up getting blown out by 35. But, you know, uh, they kept fighting for the most part. And uh, they have some some ball players. I like the, the running backs, some new playmakers they have on the outside. Uh, I want to see the quarterback situation get fixed up. The offensive line is still a liability, as always. But, you know, I, I saw some good signs. And I'm looking forward, if they can keep McKenzie uh, Milton upright at quarterback, I can see us competing, not for ACC title, but, you know, an eight and four, nine and three record. But, you know, Notre Dame, I don't know if they're as good as people hyped them up to be, yeah. is what I'm getting from this game. You know, we played well, but I think, Notre Dame from last year or the 2018 and 2019 Notre Dame would would have blown us out. But you know, overall, I like the I like the direction we're headed in. Got some nice playmakers, and let's see if we could you know put it together for consecutive weeks. Yeah, Mo, what do you think? Uh, this game, um, really a prime example of what I said earlier. Um, and it's just as far as Notre Dame, if they lose this game, it's just one of those like. Notre Dame schedules Florida State because of the strength of schedule. Notre Dame hears, you know, they schedule Florida State early because they hear they don't play nobody and this and that. And you, you try and go into a Power 5 game, and we know Notre Dame's like an a, a ACC associate. You know, they're ACC by association, but they're not really ACC. Uh, but, you know, they schedule Florida State. It, it'd be just like a team, and, and not to disrespect Florida State, but it'd be like a team going to the Pac-12 and, and scheduling Oregon State, like, I'm not going to schedule Oregon or USC or Washington, but I'm going to get a power five opponent. And Notre Dame goes to Tallahassee and almost loses the game because these are not ideal matchups for week one. And you saw that. And I'm going to be honest, Jack Cohen, what he did last night, I did not see that. I thought what Florida State did defensively was the recipe for a victory. I said it uh, prior to the game. Um, on, on the halftime chat and stuff, I, I told the Blue Bloods that if they make Jack Cohen throw the ball, Notre Dame loses this game. And they made Jack Cohen throw the ball. And he had a historic night for a Notre Dame quarterback as far as the debut, the most yards. And, and he actually looked great. Never saw this at Wisconsin. Maybe it's just, the, you know, the fact he never really had a weapon like he did at tight end for, for uh, Notre Dame is probably better than any weapon he ever had outside maybe Quintez Cephas uh, at Wisconsin. So he, he played really good. He, he answered. And then Florida State, I mean, the, the question you see with Florida State is, is the game different if McKenzie Milton starts from the beginning? Like, does Notre Dame ever have a chance? You don't know because it was also the way, like, McKenzie Milton never comes in the game if uh, Travis's helmet yeah. doesn't pop off. And then now, like, you know, it almost just seemed like it was set up for – a, a script. I feel like a, a director had his pen going and was ready to make this into a movie. And if Florida State won this game, I mean, this it would have been storybook movie ending. I mean, people were comparing this situation and saying this would have been a greater moment than Rudy. Like, <laughs> it was that kind of underdog story. Mackenzie Milton, you know, to come from never playing again to, to basically almost upsetting the number nine team in the country on the big stage on a Sunday night in college football. Like, it was just set up for that, and, and I think Florida State – but I think Florida State could be in some trouble. 
going on the season, and this might have been the best game Florida State will play all season. And it's not a knock because it was a, it was a heck of a game, but I think, like, Florida State gave their A+. And I just don't know if they'll have a consistent performance like this to be okay in the ACC, even though the ACC is fairly vulnerable, uh, at least after week one. I just don't know if Florida State has performances like this and, and consistently and can make it through to, to have a possibility of taking advantage of what may be a weaker conference than, than what we're normally used to in the ACC. So I just think I think Florida State gave it their all. They put it, they left it all out on the field, and it just might not be enough. But they could be like an eight and four, seven and five team, looking promising, getting you know get their recruiting back up. But it, it was a great game to me. It was the the best game, most exciting game, yeah. the game with the most parity that I watched all weekend. Yeah, that's all I was about to say for sure. Jeff, what do you think? about this one well, if, if mainly i just love the game it, it was it was a fun game to watch um i i wanted florida state to win i thought they were good enough to win um i i thought they, they they're fine florida state's fine i keep saying it like everybody's jumping off the bridge on florida state they're a if you switch quarterbacks last night i think that florida state wins that game over notre dame i think i don't think milton can take notre dame and beat florida state but i think cone could take florida state and whoop you know notre dame so i don't think the differences are that big i thought florida state looked pretty good it looked like they had a direction um it looked like a lot of those mental errors and stuff they had erased over the years so like i was good with it sometimes these things just happen feel you know field goals go one way the, the field goal kick Florida State lets him, he made a pretty good field goal too. Um, uh, been a little hard on him. Milton. I don't know if Milton's the answer, honestly, just because you're going to get you're just you're going to keep getting hit. I worry about that, but I hope it works out. Nothing against the kid, great story. He did everything he was asked for last night, but uh, I thought Florida State looked fine. They, they took a loss uh, in a tough game. I thought I actually disagree with that a little. I think this Notre Dame team's better. I think Cone is a, a huge upgrade over last year as far as pushing the ball downfield. Um, we'll see. And let's just put it out there. Hamilton made one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen on a football field. Um, I, I, didn't want, I didn't want it to happen, but it is honestly one of the best plays. And I'm a, I'm a fan of safeties, and I'm a fan of secondary. Uh, one of the best plays I've ever seen on a football field. And, and that was really – if. I mean, if you want to just say that, that was a huge difference in the game. But mm -hmm. good game. Florida State's fine. Notre Dame's good, the physical and good. Um, I think I think Florida State's going to be as good as I thought, um, you know, before the season. I, I thought they were, I will say, just somewhere around the 20 range. I really believe that. I, I don't feel any different right now. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that would take that. I think that, that's, yeah, that's, I that's, like, that's definitely a compliment. I, uh, that, like you guys both said, it's probably my, one of my favorite games to to watch. Even you said they got down with 18, still stayed in it, was able to fight back. They said the storybook ending and everything. They kept showing his mom crying and all that. So and that was legit too. I just want yeah. to point out. I said it last night. She she did not know she was yeah. on camera, so to speak. Like sometimes oh, you yeah. see this, like they're aware of it. that was genuine emotion. Felt really good for her. Yeah. Um, it, it was cool. It was just a, sometimes college football. It was just cool to watch and just got to yep. sit back and enjoy it and not hate, <laughs> you know, it didn't have to be so much hate. Just like, that was cool. Exactly. Good game. Good game, guys. That's one of the good game guys. Exactly. Well, but hopefully moving forward, I don't know. That may have some insight. Hopefully they do. I don't know if they're going to go with the two quarterback system. Like it looks like Dan Mullen's going to be doing for our squad or if we're going, if they're just going with Milton, but that's never a recipe for success. Yeah, I would say it's never oh, a recipe yeah. for success, but you know, we're going to test it out. Hopefully, it is for us. <laughs> Next, 
I'm going to try to keep it short with them because they may tear into a Buckeyes uh, remix. But we uh, won't do that to you. Uh, no, nah, I won't had, do that. Had to, had to, you know, talk about the game Thursday as well because um, uh, obviously it was the first game, it was the kickoff of uh, you know college football, and um, a, a lot of talk because uh, you know it was a very close game, mo- mostly until the end of it. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud uh, played well in the stretches, but a lot of people kind of was on his case about. His first half. So, uh, want to start? Uh, like I said, start back off from the top, go back down to the bottom. Jeff, what did you think about your Buckeyes versus Minnesota? Uh, I, I was hopeful when I went back and watched the game. If anybody doesn't know, you can check out more. I do the Buckeye remix every week after the games, is what Jelani is referring to on Jeff Needs Sports Podcast. So if you want to hear everything, go check that out. Essentially, I was uplifted when I went back and rewatched the game. Um, Stroud Stroud struggled mentally and and made some terrible throws in the second quarter. I like everybody else was ready to pull him. I wasn't, but th- what I did notice was Ohio State. When you get the ball in the hands of almost any, <laughs> any, any player on their offense, they just get chunks. They had they had over ten yards per play for the entire game. Minnesota had the recipe to win that game. You know they still lost by fourteen. Stroud, the second half played really well, and this offense is very conducive to that. Receivers. Olave and Wilson just get so wide open. Uh, the running backs, we got fre- you know true freshman running backs running, you know for long touchdowns that can't be caught. It just it was just a recruiting game. Talent really won over. At the end of the day, as a Buckeye fan, when I rewatched it, I was very pleased. You take four. If I could take four plays out of that game, it's probably fifty to fourteen or something. So uh, I'm fine. I'm fine where we're at as as Buckeyes. Obviously, I'm nervous going into Oregon. You know, I'm not comfortable, but I'm fine. I'm not. Dad, what'd you think about it? I think it was a good. I think it was a good game. Ohio State fans are a little dramatic. I didn't know Jeff. Was, I didn't know Jeff was this crazy until I, uh, you know, I wasn't here last year around this time. But Jeff was, Jeff was going crazy the whole game on his Twitter feed. I didn't know it was like this, but you know, Ohio State. I expected them to struggle a little bit with a with a new quarterback in a hostile environment in the rain. You know, I think people just need to relax. You know, the jitters are going. His, this is his first start. The conditions aren't perfect for a quarterback. No quarterback wants to play in the rain. You thank know. you, Thad. Thank you, and thank yeah. you, thank you. Minnesota's not a terrible football team, too, as well. You know, P.J. Fleck has the guys ready to go. And I, I think, you know, over time, once the guys settled in, like Jeff said, this was a recruiting game. The talent, the five stars took over mm-hmm. the game. And that's just what it is. Ohio State will always be better once the guys settle in, I think. Their players are just that much better. Yeah. But I think Ohio State will be fine. You know, their slow start was not surprising to me, just like I said, because they're playing Minnesota in a hostile environment. Fans haven't been back in two years. Like every everything's every the the place is rocking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once everybody settled in, they'll be fine. They have another tough test with Oregon next week. But I think I think Ohio State will be just fine. And Minnesota's good too, but the, losing their running back for the season is gonna mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah. So I don't think they'll continue any other way, but Ohio yeah. State will be fine. I think you guys don't have too much to worry about. And the talent the talent in the receiving core from oh, the, yeah. the guy in the slot to the second string running back is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd, you'd like to have that. You'd like to have that uh, receiving core, wouldn't you, Thad? Oh, yeah. That, sure. makes, that makes your job a lot easier. <laughs> Wilson, Olave, yeah, like you said. It, like, that's what you said. Every time one of them got the ball, it was you knew it was a big play. So, Mo, what you think? Got the Ohio State on it, Ohio State head on and everything. Yeah, I mean, so like, and, and like Jeff, I, I typically go back and rewatch the game. So I did rewatch this game, and 
it went exactly how I thought it would. Like, C.J. Stroud had to settle in. You know, I, I saw a lot of Ohio State fans ready, and I knew that this will be a problem, you know, uh, probably only for the first couple games, definitely the first one. But take C.J. Stroud out, put Jack Miller in, uh, put – and, you know, Ryan Day kind of already stated the fact that he wasn't going to do that. And you just had to let him settle in. And, you know, I, I hate that Oregon – we're playing Oregon. I love that we're playing them at home. But God forbid C.J. Stroud struggles again early. Uh, I think Ohio State, will, you know, fans as a whole will probably be done with C.J. Stroud. I wasn't. I knew he had to settle in. This isn't, This isn't. you know, he's not Justin Fields. And that's kind of something that, like, we wanted him to be. He was kind of anointed. We kind of pretty much knew he was going to be the starting quarterback. We know we have some really good guys, but we kind of knew C.J. Stroud. He was endorsed by Justin Fields himself. Uh, you know, that he was kind of passing him the keys when he was on his way out. So we, we just expected – we've been spoiled. Dwayne Haskins had an amazing year with his year as a starter. Justin Fields had a, an amazing two seasons. We're fairly spoiled at quarterback, but then people have such a great year that, that they forget that, like, Justin Fields struggled the first couple uh, the first couple drives that he played in his first game at Ohio State. And so did Dwayne Haskins. Just the first couple drives, they had to settle in. After that, it was pedal to the metal, but we also – they didn't play Minnesota. They didn't play a conference opponent on the road to open up. Justin Fields played Florida Atlantic, and Dwayne Haskins played some trash school from somewhere. Uh, it was nowhere near the, the what Minnesota – what it is uh, playing a conference opponent they, on the they road. Didn't, so. they, didn't, they didn't play Michigan first. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, my bad. You're right, but – it's just one of those. I I, mean, I'm sorry, Jelani. I'm sorry. Nah. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm I knew not. talent would prevail. <laughs> Good, yeah. I knew the talent would prevail. Our running backs are amazing, which, I mean, Master Teague might now be our third string running back. Uh, I hate mm. that for him. But our running backs are back amazing. This is baby Zeke and baby Dobbins uh, together as a one-two punch. Um, and our defense, I, I think what's still in question is still in question going into Oregon. I think our defense is an elite pass rushing group. Minnesota knew that, so they didn't throw the ball a lot. Uh, got exposed. Up. We're not run stoppers, um, especially you're typically a great run stopping defense has great linebackers. So at least when they get to the second unit, they, it stops there. We had a former running back playing linebacker, playing quality minutes at linebacker. I was concerned there. Our two starting corners didn't play for what I think Cameron Brown might have had COVID. Uh, whatever reason, Seven Banks didn't play. We still don't know. I haven't heard, but. He didn't play. I don't think that made a difference because they didn't beat us throwing the ball. So that's not really an excuse for me. Uh, so I just – I don't know. I still have questions coming into Oregon, but I, I'm not as worried as I think even most people think we should be because having watched an Oregon struggle against Fresno State and the fact that we're playing at the shoe, I, I feel fine with how we look. C.J. Stroud settled in. I don't think he'll start like that again. I think this is – from here on out, it's great quarterback play. Uh, for the rest of the season, and like that, Thad knows he played quarterback. Bro, having those weapons make your job easy. Like short passes for big games make your job real easy. So even when he panics, he has playmakers. Yep, you can turn it around and give it to one of those backs. Makes it easy as well. Yeah, what? You know what they say that a running game is a is a is a quarterback's best friend at times. So yeah. I feel like. They're perfect. Even if he does struggle a little bit next game or two, it's like I feel like that's perfectly fine. Like. Justin Fields had a what a year under his under his you know belt college football playing experience. His man's a true freshman yeah. starting, so it's like it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit of a uh, you know learning curve there. So I think 
you know, you guys are going to be perfectly fine. But I am looking forward to that game next week. All right, this is probably the shortest one we're going to have to, you know, spend time on. <laughs> Sorry, Prez, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Alabama, you know, kept kept on, rolled tied right over, you know, the Hurricanes, uh, you know, they pulled out that week. Uh, that weak turnover chain, even being down 27-0. But, uh, oh, that was a bad look. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But, uh, Jeff, I guess we'll start with you. Um, just thoughts real quick. I know it's probably going to be an all-on bam. Like, you know, it, yeah, yeah. Just keep getting richer. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. I mean, I, just I guess I'll say more. I, this game went exactly how I thought it would. But what I would say is that, credit to the coaching and coaching staff because I know Alabama brings back great players every year but most of those players haven't played you know they they you know they, they rotate their players through now a lot of them are second and third year didn't play but still but they're they're always prepared they've got a game plan um, it's a good sign when Bryce Young's out here hitting open receivers because that that means your offense is working. Um, you don't need to be threading needles in college like your your guys with that much talent ought to be open they were. It, it was crazy. It was totally one-sided. It was, it, it's, it just, there, there was there. I don't think there was any phase to where Miami looked like they could even keep up with Alabama, let alone any position group that even looked like it could be on Alabama. And that's, that is a knock to Miami. I didn't think they were as, that's another team. I didn't think they should have been ranked quite as high, mm-hmm. but Alabama physically and mentally is really just at the top of college football. And it's, it's not that close right now. I don't think there's a team, in the NCAA, they could keep within 21 points of Alabama next week at, 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 at the point to where they're at in this season already. It's very impressive. Yeah. Dad, what do you think? Miami's overrated. They've always been overrated. I don't know why they always get so much hype going into season. This is not me just liking Florida State. I just don't think they're that good of a football team. No. And it showed. I had a friend that wanted to bet with me, and I said, I'll start with the spread at 21. I don't even think the game will be close. But <laughs> Alabama, you know, they they reload. It's, it's a factory. They do it pretty much every year. I don't expect anything less at this point. But they look good, man. Bryce Young, he looked – even though, like, it was a blowout, I looked to, you know, for certain things and watching him play. And he just looked calm and cool, collected the entire the entire day. In the pocket, he looked calm. Uh, he didn't he didn't run as much as he wanted to. I like that. Uh, it, and the weapons, they have Jamison Williams and Mechie. It's, it's – it's going to be pretty, pretty bad. Bama returned a lot of people on defense too. So it was just, it's, it was a mismatch all the way around. Um, I stopped watching the game in the second quarter, honestly. Yeah. Cause I knew, I knew what it was once they scored. I did too. Yeah. yeah. For the most they scored part. on their what first, how many drives in a row? Their first, I think four, something like that. Four or five. Yeah. It, it was a mismatch all around. Not too much to talk about, but Miami's overrated. Um, They'll compete in the AC, in the week ACC, but they're not a, you know, a national contender by any stretch. Yeah. Mo finishes out. Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, I, I'm with Jeff. I think Bama's the best team in the country. And after my week one, my biggest takeaway would be Bama's the best team in the country and everybody else is racing for number two. Everybody else is racing to see who's going to lose to Bama in the national championship. Uh, it sucks to say that even being an Ohio State fan. I think we could feel differently as the season progresses and, and we start really – by week eight or week nine, that's about where we see everybody pretty much the best version of everybody. But right now, like any questions that you had about Bama, I think they're the one team that answered them all. Uh, against a quality opponent, yes, Miami was overrated, but still to play Miami in week one isn't necessarily 
the easiest task when you have a new quarterback. Um, you know, some questions that need to be answered. Typically, you answer those against, you know, a Mercer who Alabama has coming up. So, but to, to answer all those questions in week one against Miami, like, look, the only, the only thing, and I just have to revert it back to Ohio State, goes to show how great that, uh, that wide receiver group is. Cause, uh, Jamison Williams goes out there in his instant impact for Alabama, but was fighting for playing time at Ohio State, which is why he transferred in the first place. Uh, I don't have hard feelings towards him transferring. He made the best decision, and, and it looks like it's going to pan out. Bryce Young was looking for him. He had a big-time touchdown. So I will say, though, when you look at that, like that guy who's you know going to be right next to Michi, uh, Mechie and, and contributing as a top wide receiver, like that was you know a bottom feeder on the wide receiver group uh, at Ohio State. But just, I mean, the run game, the pass game, the defense, like, it, it was a lot of Miami's overrated, and it was a lot of Alabama is the best team in the country. Like, it was a combination of both that you ended up seeing. People hoped Miami would be what they were hyped up to be and, and have a potential, you know, to upset Alabama. And I think mm -hmm. this was – if if Alabama was going to get upset all year, I think this was the time. Week one against an opponent like that, I think these are the prime times for these top, you know, national championship contenders to get upset. They didn't. Uh, like Bama didn't. So I really, I mean, until they play Georgia in the SEC championship, they don't have a game that scares me on their schedule. And that's playing in the SEC. It's not a game that scares me, and that's including Texas A&M. Yeah, I would ask you guys real quick, do, do we think Alabama can only score three points on Clemson? <laughs> I, mean, I just, like, that's the difference. We're saying Georgia's the second-best team in yeah. the country. I think we all believe Alabama scores 35 on Clemson next week yeah. so I just I and that's all part of my I don't know what the thinking is on this but just what I saw with my eyes Alabama's very good uh Bryce Young I don't you know I have concerns just about body type sometimes mm -hmm. you know if if anybody can hit him like if he if he takes a hit but if not uh yeah they're rolling it's gonna take it's gonna it's gonna take some weather it's gonna take a good team it's gonna take a lot of factors to upset him I'm not saying it's impossible but it's gonna take some factors yeah it might, uh, it might be this old Miss squad I'm looking at, but it's a different conversation. <laughs> hey, somebody's got to do it. Yeah, exactly. God forbid some, some injuries maybe to the first, second, and third string mm -hmm. team. So we, we never know. Um, this one maybe – well, actually, this one this one caused a lot of controversy. I personally – I'm like a, a secondary North Carolina fan since I'm from the state, but uh, definitely watch them, keep up mm -hmm. with them. But I felt like they were over – a lot of us felt like they were overrated just because Sam Howell came, you know, was coming back. He's what, you know, one of the top candidates possibly for Heisman, but they, they lost all, literally all their offensive weapons and lost their, their best players on defense as well to the draft. So I didn't really understand why they came in ranked as high as they were, but again, went to a tough, tough environment, kind of got humbled, only put up 10 points. He's not really the problem. That offensive line just literally did nothing nothing for him but uh mm. what'd you guys think i'll go right uh, i'll start with you Mo, and i'll uh, work my way up to the top uh because of last year it made me have a different outlook you know just with the pandemic season and people being allowed to opt out uh, especially looking for the safety health and safety of their future career in the nfl um and i'm sure a lot he'd get a lot of hate for it but look i would not be mad if sam howell said i will not play another game for north carolina and i would get prepared for the draft I will not be upset. The way he got killed, the way he got pressure against, I mean, 
that's not that can't be the best defense they're gonna play all year. Virginia Tech was good, but that can't be that offensive line was atrocious. And I know like as Tar Heel fans, they're gonna say, well, you know, they're gonna hate him for that move, but he won't do it. But if he did it, I'd stand by him and say, hey, his his next ten to fifteen years future is way more important than his next three months. And with the way that he got killed, I mean, I just – there's a couple of players I'm looking at right now just in college football period that if they said I'm not going to play again and I'm going to get ready for the draft, I wouldn't be upset. It's including, you know, the defensive end for Oregon who got hurt. He's expected to play, but because of that injury, sprained his ankle or whatever, if he said I'm not going to play, I won't be upset. Look, I, you support, gotta I totally it. support that. Thibodeau yep. doesn't yeah. want to play next one. I'm, I'm, you know what? You do you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta be. You gotta be. You gotta, you gotta be, okay be healthy, man. It yeah. ain't yeah, worth it's it. The next, <laughs> but it's the next ten to fifteen years of these guys' career. Like Sam Howell, prior to this game, North Carolina's ranked number ten because he's considered the best quarterback in the country. That's it. That's that. Yeah. What, what will we say on Twitter? That's it. That's the tweet. Yeah. That's why you know North Carolina's number ten is because Sam Howell still wears that jersey. But the way he got killed, I'm just saying I wouldn't be upset if he decided to say, "Look, I'm I'm gonna focus on the NFL." I can't put my health in jeopardy. And look, you guys suck. Like he doesn't have to flat out say it, but like, look, you guys can't protect me. I, y'all, y'all are gonna ruin millions of dollars for me, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so there's no pride. I'm gonna be honest for me, and there's no school that's gonna outweigh that. So this is my thought on it. Is I, I just I'm praying for Sam Howell, and like I said, I mean, if he, you know, his dad influenced it or whatever, he comes out and says I don't want to play. No more. I'm gonna focus on the NFL draft. I, you won't hear a peep from me. I'm I'm in support of that. Yeah, Dad. If you was in this position, what, what would you do? No, I mean I'd probably stick it out and play. But it's a bit. I don't know if I had you know 25 million guaranteed in front of me. <laughs> I, I have no idea. But overall, I expected North Carolina to struggle. I didn't. I agree with you guys. I didn't expect them to be. Well, I don't know why they were ranked so high. They lost over 4,000 yards of total offense and. No matter how good your quarterback is, you need a little bit of help around you. And, you know, he has some guys that can step up. Josh Downs, a guy who I like, and some other guys. But it showed in another hostile environment against a a solid defensive team. The offensive line didn't protect him all day. Um, The guys couldn't get open as much. So he was having to improvise more than he usually does. And it was just just a tough week one game. Virginia Techs, they're not a terrible team, so I'm not surprised by this. I don't even think this is as – a big of an upset as people think it is really, in my opinion, but North Carolina is going to struggle this year. They're not a contender how people thought they were. And Sam Howell's Heisman, uh, you know, his Heisman chances aren't looking too well going into well, looking forward uh, to the rest of the season. Hopefully he can bounce back, but if the offensive line doesn't protect him, if we, we have to start with that, if he's not going to be protected, it's not going to get much better. And, you know, in the years past, they could put up points and have shootouts and stuff, but I don't, I don't see that being the case so far. But hopefully, it's just the week one jitters, and by week two, they can execute a little better. What's yeah. your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, the whole, the whole thing is, I, I bought into it. I thought this team was the, the was better than it is. I think what, what happened is a classic situation. You guys already touched on the Sam Howell thing. I think we confuse. NFL prospect with a great college quarterback. This 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 is a guy that needs an offense. Like he had a couple chances to actually throw the ball. It looks really good and all that, and that, that carries over. But what what he what that team what team needed from him was 
I, they needed Michael Vick out there to 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 make something happen that that day, and he's not that quarterback. So if that's not going to be there, the seasons they they're really in probably the worst shape of any of the contenders, so to speak, uh, out of everything because they don't have a lot of giant games on their schedule. They really need to get into the ACC championship game. Uh, we didn't see two things. We didn't see a lot of signs just physically that they were that good. I think Virginia Tech's defense, I think Mo, they might be the best in the ACC. We don't know yet. Um, once again, I know I'm just slamming Clemson tonight, but I, I, well, I mean, I, I, I take a lot of pride. I can't deny my eyeballs. Like all of us watch the games. If you switch jerseys, we would say if Clemson did that to North Carolina, we would go that Clemson defense is unstoppable is what I'm saying. So they did look good. Um, that and I thought Mac Brown really failed. Like he did the opposite. His team wasn't ready. They weren't. They weren't prepared for that game. After the game, he immediately made excuses. Uh, the one thing that jumped out was that he said everybody else is playing scrimmages this weekend, and we played a good team. When actually his conference played the toughest out of conference yeah, schedule yeah. of any of the conferences. I was like, the 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 next two best teams in his conference played the two toughest games in college football. Just so if he's not aware of that, I have questions about like where he's at as far as involvement in the program. Big warning signs. Um, yeah. I lo- I love my man, uh, Couch Coach Live. Um, I I will root for North Carolina every game because he's that dude. But I've got I I think this team is is doomed, and I I would not be surprised if Sam Howe comes up with a uh, nagging injury, so to speak, that that uh, ends his season. Uh, going into yeah. the draft so yeah there's not much to say bad yeah. bad look for north carolina that, that, that would be a big consideration like you said especially after this week one maybe he gives it another go next week but if it's more of the same then i might i might have to do what mo says and yeah i'm tapping, I'm tapping out when we're getting ready for the draft so i think this is the last one before we would hit on what would probably be our favorite part of the show jeff's rankings but like i said had had to put this one in there slide it in there because uh it was it was a really really good game. Um, I I know a few of us in the in the college football chat said they really liked US UCLA this year. I, I want to say it was you Mo, um, you too Jeff and a few other guys. But uh, just thoughts on this game. I'll you know start from the top and go back to the bottom. Um, you know just the way UCLA was uh, able to pull this one out. Yeah, I love it. I liked what they did last week against Hawaii, but you know it was easy to dismiss it because it was Hawaii, and that's fair. That's fair. But once again, this is where you trust your eyeballs. Here's what we knew coming into this game. Uh, UCLA looks pretty good. I, I give them a better chance than I thought. I actually picked LSU. Um, you know, physically, I thought just I thought. Here's what I said. I gave LSU the benefit of the doubt. They took last year off. They had the greatest season ever. Uh, COVID. A bunch of players sat out. They're like, hey, you know what? We're going to shut it down this season. We'll be back in 2021. Not true. Um, a- apparently, with you know the loss of uh, Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, w- was bigger than we all thought. The defense didn't even tackle that well, which that's always a warning sign of like, what did you do all summer? Uh, UCLA looks gr- looks great. This is actually is a a realistic looking team that Chip Kelly has for the first time since Oregon. Um, you know, physically they look good. Uh, they took advantage of spots. They 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 physically dominated an SEC team that we all give credit to for being one of the toughest. So I I thought this was the most impressive victory of the weekend, and I think UCLA is in the driver's seat. It sounds crazy, but you know in the Pac-12 they're in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Now you just got to win. You've got your signature mm-hmm. victory. You, you everybody knows how great you look. 
if you, if you win out, you're in. So uh, I thought it was a huge – I, I can't stand Chip Kelly, but what I saw was very impressive. Dad, what do you think? An impressive win as well. I, I like how they played against Hawaii, but I was like, it's Hawaii. Can they do it against the SEC opponent? And I did – I thought the same thing that Jeff thought, you know, uh, coming off – a great season, one of the best seasons of all time, in my opinion, uh, coming off the COVID season, LSU was going to be able to regroup, but that wasn't the case. And you, UCLA is pretty good. If uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson doesn't turn over the ball, which he will do sometimes, I think they'll be in good shape. I, I love the guy from Michigan, uh, Charbonnet, the running back. I liked him when he was at Michigan as well. But overall, UCLA is a talented team, and it's nice to, nice to see them, you know, pull off a nice early season win. Hopefully they can – keep it together in the Pac-12 and ma hopefully make a run, but it's early in the season, so we'll never know. But overall, I think that LSU is – they're okay. You're not going to win a game. I, I wrote it down somewhere. They had 25 rushing attempts for 49 yards. So when you can't get the ground game going, the young quarterback who I like, he threw for 300 yards, which is fine, but they weren't ever to establish uh, – ever able to establish a running game, and that hurt them in the long run. And on defense, they weren't able to get off the field. Uh, yeah. When UCLA is over for 50% on third down, that's not ever. Uh, and, and LSU LSU can't take that loss going into a tough SEC season. That was a, yeah. that might have been the worst loss of the weekend. It's not going to get any easier from here. So I could see a, you know, a 6-6, six 7-5 six, season where Ed Orgeron's heading out the door. Yep, you said it. Hmm. Like high take. So at the end of the year, I think he's gone? Yeah. Yeah. People, yep. I'm not saying that season was completely them, but you know, before that season, he was already on the hot seat before Joe mm -hmm. Brady and Joe Burrow yeah. came. Exactly. Yeah, that is true. Mo. Uh, yeah, I think I pretty much think you know pretty much everything Jeff and Dad said is uh, I've said or thought, uh, or or if I heard somebody say it, I'd agree with it. My only thing with LSU is you know. LSU is a team, we don't want to say it, but they pop every once in a while, but they're a very overhyped team every mm -hmm. year. Nobody could tell me they're not. Prior to, you know, prior to them winning um, the national championship, what great season did they really have? I mean, they were they had some pretty good teams. But I mean, what, they, the, the national championship they went to at Ohio State was probably their most prominent year. Then they skipped, what, a whole decade, uh, and they'd be average to above average SEC team. And then, you know, they, they win the national championship with the coaches on the hot seat, most historic offense. So we have to forget about anything prior. And to look ahead, this might be, you know, a door to the future. And then last year, you know, like Jeff says, he, he doesn't count it against them. It's a COVID year. A lot of teams, you don't count it against them. A lot of players opted out. You didn't have your full roster or whatever. Kind of LSU taking a year off, coming off of arguably – if not the greatest team we've ever seen, definitely the greatest offensive season uh, we've ever seen from a program. Mm -hmm. But then they come this year and they look, they're built just like every LSU team that's been built for years. Their, their quarterback play is average, maybe a little bit above average. Uh, they didn't have a run game like normal, so that killed mm -hmm. them. Usually, at least with what they have, they have a good run game. LSU had a good defense. You know, they, they weren't tackling well, but they had a good defense. They locked down the outside, passes on the outside. So what did UCLA do? Expose the linebackers and kill them with the tight end. That's exactly what UCLA did because Eli Ricks and Stingley had the outside locked uh, locked up. And, and it's one of those – LSU's defense actually is really good. But there comes a point in time when your offense doesn't help you out a lot, you start giving up. You, you start giving plays that you normally wouldn't. 
when your quarterback starts making floppy mistakes, you're like, okay. Like, you start losing momentum and motivation to go out there and really just make every play count on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, offense and defense run together. You know, offense gets t- – they don't mind continuous, continuing to be a shootout and scoring points if they're getting wins. But at the same time, like, they do look at the defense like, bro, can y'all stop somebody once? Like, can y'all leave us room for error every once in a while? Um, but, you know, on the defensive side, when you're continuing getting stops here, offense continue not do nothing. Eventually something's going to break down, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, their defense looked really good in the beginning. It just broke down. The offense could never keep up uh, with the defensive performance, and defense took a hit later on. Charbonnet looked really good. He's a, he's, UCLA's good. They're tough. They're going to be they're going to be a tough out for every team in the Pac-12 if they're not standing on top of the Pac-12 uh, at the end of the season. But they're definitely going to be a tough out for Oregon or USC, whoever has to play them. You know, USC is going to play UCLA. That could be a huge game with not only playoff implications but definitely conference championship uh, implications when when those two teams do play each other. God forbid if they're both undefeated, that really could have playoff implications. Uh, you know, whether we like it or not, this mm-hmm. might be a year where the Pac-12 actually has some playoff implicating games uh, later on in the season. So, and, and once again, it was LSU traveling to the West Coast, UCLA playing in the Coliseum, you know, in week one, not really seeing what they got. A lot of guys who didn't play last year opted out. Uh, their quarterback situation, this isn't their starting quarterback it was a competition, but he ultimately didn't win it. But their starting quarterback uh, was out. I think they were missing a running back. Also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were missing one of the running backs. So it was just a, it was prime for LSU to lose. All UCLA had to do was play really good and sound football, and that's exactly what they did. They stuck to their game plan, and I think LSU tried to let they left their game plan. And Coach O might be out of there. Their offense is bad. Uh, it's always bad. They have playmakers everywhere, and they never have a great offense outside of the 2019 year. So I think Coach O's out of there. He's he could be an athletic director. He could be your your head of recruiting. You know, he he could be the guy to give you a pregame speech, mm-hmm. and I think that'll be perfect for him. I think he could be athletic director. I think he could run, you know, the the football department. But as far as being a head coach and X's and O's and really bringing in the right guy, I think he got lucky bringing in Joe Brady to run the offense. Like, you know, he ultimately just got lucky uh, bringing him in there. So outside of that, I just – Coach O is not an X's and O's guy. And and when you're not an X's and O's guy and you're not really having coordinators who are X's and O's guys in front of you, I, I just don't see him – like you said, you know, like Dad said, Jeff said he was on the hot seat prior to the national championship season, and he's went right back to mediocre football uh, the two years after. So – yeah, I think he's on a short leash and in, in to already start 0-1 in the SEC, having to play Bama this year, which is another loss. Uh, I think they have to play Florida this year, if I'm not mistaken. They might not. Uh, but either way, I mean, to already know you got two losses on your schedule <laughs> and, and now you're fighting to not lose two more against teams that are even on the playing field with you, yeah, I think, I think Coach O might be gone after this year. Yeah, definitely can't call Team Sissy Blues and then go in there and lose. So. <laughs> That, that, that's that's the biggest takeaway. But I, I feel I, I feel the same as you guys. It, I feel like it's another, like I said, seven and five, what seven five, if at best eight and four type of year for them, and it probably won't even be that. But to hit on, like I said, one of the favorite parts of our year to see 
Jeff's rankings. He does college, he does NFL as well, but you can say college obviously comes first. First week of the college football playoff rankings. We've already had a few people in, in chat say something about <laughs> it. I'm sure there's been some people on your, on your timeline, maybe Facebook have said something about it. And I'm sure you'll get hit up a lot more tomorrow when everybody wakes up and sees it as well. But uh, first, like I said, I, I was going to let that kind of go out. He had to step it out. You're going to come back in a second. So, Mo, I'll give you first crack at it. You know, just what stands out to you. And do you agree or disagree with uh, Jeff's rankings? So, I don't disagree. I know where Jeff comes from. We, yeah. we have conversations about this. Uh, I, I watch his shows. I, I listen to his content. So, I know exactly where Jeff is coming from. But help but help me out. You you pick a team and we'll help the listeners out and you just pick a team that you that you know stands out and then I'll I'll explain my point on it. I and I always say I can be wrong. Like I've been on I've been on these shows before and I've been talked down and all of a sudden I went, you know what? That's on me. Mm-hmm. I got it well, wrong. Well, you know, you know, okay, so what would stand out to me where I know people won't agree with you, people will not agree with you that Georgia's number four and Ohio State's number two. Okay, uh, that okay. would be the first one. I know you're probably getting backlash about that. And here's uh, why you've mentioned you've mentioned Georgia, like people are saying Georgia's the second best team, and you don't think yeah. so. So I'm pretty sure you're getting backlash about that. I would imagine. Okay, okay, you're exactly right. So here, here's why that is. And once again, like uh, you know, I, I don't do this to be condescending. I work with people. You know, anybody send me your team, I will give you the explanation. The reason why is that when I do my rankings, I don't do them for the television game. We all know that Alabama and Georgia has to play. So Alabama and Georgia can are not going to finish one and two in the playoff rankings. It's just not – it can't happen because they're going to play the game before the playoffs. So, like, it, it would have to be like – it's just not going to happen. Like, we can go through scenarios of some miraculous one-point win, blah, 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 blah. Everybody else has two losses. That There's a 70 – there's an 85% chance it's not going to happen. So there's no reason for me to put Georgia, you know, two. And I think Alabama's would beat Georgia. So I'm projecting Alabama beats Georgia, even if they're both undefeated. Georgia gets in at four. Alabama's a one. It's as simple as that. I project, I project the actual wins. I this is not um this is not who I think are the best teams in the country if they played team's not on this list it's what, what i think the playoff rankings look like if they had to go if they had to judge right now yeah yeah and then even looking and i'm trying to think because like i said when i see a team i know where you're going to be coming from but i'm kind of looking at where you would get backlash mm-hmm. uh maybe you're getting back are you getting any hearing anything about iowa jumping to number seven not uh, yet based on the, the ap rankings iowa being at seven is anybody disagreeing with you there I, I haven't had that yet. Of course, he's only been out a half an hour or an hour, and I've been on the show. So the, basically the reason I, Iowa looked really good, and I factor in your path to the playoff. Iowa Iowa has a shot at Iowa State this year, and Iowa State should be around a top 10 team when they play, like by the by the AP and coaches poll. So that means that Iowa's going to get a huge victory week one, and then if they've got a chance, which I think they'll beat Iowa State now. I think I had Iowa high – before the season and they didn't do anything to to change my mind so they're going to get a shot at iowa state who we who has projected is really good so and then the rest of the they don't have to play ohio state till the championship game so the rest of the rest of their season they're probably going to be favored if they're not favored they're going to be you know uh, not much of an underdog the rest of the season they've really made a nice path for themselves by looking so good you know week one and and now that i think they're going to beat iowa state I can't put them behind Iowa State. You, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like I, I project the win. 
So uh, th- that's a great question. That's why Iowa seven there. It's their path is, is just cl- a clearer path than everybody else. It's uh, you know, if, if they go, if let's put it this way, if Iowa goes undefeated and beats Ohio state, they're in the playoffs. So it's as simple as that. Right. It's not, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on USC at number five. That's a uh, tough one. Region. It, it, but I, I think USC's in the driver's seat in the Pac-12 now. They are. It's about I'm to just, play Ohio State. Yes. Yeah. And full disclosure, I just I think USC is really good. This is the team. I'm. This is the team that I'm banking that I that they're as good as I think they are. That's the only reason USC is at five. I know that you know that I think they've got a good shot to win the Pac-12 and go. Now that I see UCLA, but. I, I just think US, USC is that good. This is a team. If I'm wrong about USC, then I'm just wrong, and they're they're going to drop off the the list quickly. So USC is, I I, I put my just kind of going out on a limb on USC, but I once again, if they go undefeated, they're absolutely going to the playoffs. Yeah, that and I think I'm a little higher on Texas. Sorry, but oh, I yeah. think no, I'm no, a little higher on Texas, Jeff, than maybe you are, uh, especially under your thinking. I would like even just project like if you think I would say since I think I will be Iowa State also uh, either that or that's just the worst game Iowa State will play and we'll never see him play remotely close to that bad. But that was bad. Uh, but I mean, I, we don't, we never want to buy stock on Texas, but Texas looked good. Like yes. against what what's considered a quality what was considered a quality opponent uh, in University uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Like they look good, and, and so. I would put Texas ahead of Ohio. I mean, Iowa State, uh, just because one, I would imagine Texas is coming out two and zero after this week, and Iowa State is not. And I mean, I don't. To me, if you want me to be honest, like Texas looked like the best team in the Big Twelve after Saturday no, 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 because it's a week by week rankings. Yeah, Texas looked like the best team in the Big Twelve, but You're, I understand you still trust Spencer Rattler. You still have to find some trust in Spencer Rattler in Oklahoma. They just yeah. don't drop tremendously because they ultimately didn't lose the game yeah and and you're totally right about texas and iowa state it was just one of those to where you know iowa state does get to play iowa you know this week and and prove something um you know i try not to knee jerk too much uh i totally agree with texas that was the toughest one this week because i had them somewhere around like you know 21 22 coming you know coming in and then i watched the game and like you said like Man, if I was just to reset, you know, if I didn't do if I didn't do my preseason, uh, my week zero rankings, uh, you're probably right. Texas would probably be like around 13. But then I also start thinking, I think Texas takes two losses this year um, just because of inexperience and things are new. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma is really good. Oklahoma State might, you know, jumps up every now and then just uh, Iowa State could beat them because of just veteran defense. So I didn't want to get too crazy, but I can realistically see by the time you know the red river rivalry i could see texas you know being in my top 10 but that that's a good one and every and that's a valid argument anybody that has texas higher uh, i won't fight you on it yeah that i need to step back what uh what do you see that uh, kind of stands out i think before this um mo pointed out um yeah, we talked about uh, Georgia being at 4. Oh yeah, Georgia being yeah, that's the one. Georgia. Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hold you guys up too much for cuz I know you guys were talking about a good bit. And I don't have too much to say about it, but there's a couple of things, you know. Let's USC, go ahead. USC at 5. I know people are going to say something about that. I I I was 7. I agree with because I think they completely dominated uh Indiana. Made Michael Phoenix draft stock drop even though it's one game. Uh 
Iowa State I agree with because you can't let no Northern Iowa play you like that. Mm-hmm. And other than Iowa, that, besides- Iowa, <laughs> Iowa State really disappointed me this week. Um, but then I'm like, I don't want to punish them too much for a bad loss because then if, if I start doing that, it's I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's just a mess if you start punishing for bad losses. But um, you're, you're, I, I totally – like once again, we just talked about – if I'll be honest with you, if Iowa State didn't play Iowa this week and have a chance to – to settle this for me. I, I don't know what I would have done with them, but they do. Uh, USC, I talked about it that. I just think they're really good, and that's the team that I could be dead wrong about. I'll just be honest. I could be dead wrong. Iowa just has a great path. They look great, and they got a great path um, you know, to, to the uh, championship. Other than those, you know, that's fine. We'll learn a lot about Oregon this week. Clemson, of course, they had a terrible week one, but I don't think they're 16. You know, I don't think they're they're not the 16th best. But but yeah. their their path to the playoff their path to the playoffs is very difficult. Very very difficult. Like their schedule is easy, but because of that week one loss, it's just going to be tough. They're the one team on this list I don't think controls their destiny right now. Yeah. Well, and guys, granted, some of these teams play each other, but something we're not like- talking about is Clemson's the highest rated ACC team on my list, yeah. and they're they're at 16. But I I just that, so. Clemson just doesn't have victories. Like they're going to have to earn every week, you know, climbing up, you know, this ladder. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Zach, for hearing me out. You're, this is exactly right. This is not my top 25. This is playoff rankings. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, and that's the whole thing. Like you, but, but it's realistic because that's how the playoffs work. It's path. It's easiest schedule. It's who can put up the most W's who can, it's, it's about the win loss column. And the fact of the matter is Clemson lost. Yes. Do I think Clemson's better than (laughs) Iowa state probably right now, but they don't, they've got a loss. I'll I'll tell you if Clemson wins this week and Iowa state doesn't Clemson's not going to be behind (laughs) Iowa state. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, And I just don't think Clemson's in the driver's seat for their destination to be in the final four teams. Nope. Where if you look at, so far, pretty much every team ahead of them. Now, granted, some of these teams play each other. And that, but, and that, like, it's Cincinnati and Notre Dame control their destiny when they match up against each other. Mm-hmm. They, they, they could see each other undefeated. So, now, like, one of those teams where, like, Clemson, now all the pressure is there can never be an upset. Uh, the a- Yeah, the ACC is bad. So they should definitely – it should – but even being a one-loss ACC champ this year, yes. depending yeah. on how it shakes out, like hypothetically looking at your top four teams, forget everything else. If Alabama and Georgia see each other in the SEC championship undefeated and it's a close game and Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Ohio State are undefeated conference champions, that is probably your playoff right there, those four teams. If those Georgia, four teams yeah, have if, a better shot oh, yeah, of controlling if, their own destiny than anybody. Yeah. I guess your argument would be Notre Dame if or, or Cincinnati would be up next, or even USC, because uh, they could be undefeated conference champs but, also. But let's, keep in mind, let, let's keep in mind this is this is part of it. And this this is where it gets messy. And I struggle with USC Notre Dame at five and six. USC, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, or Cincinnati, two of those teams have to have a loss. Yeah. So, right. you know, these things are going to write themselves out. So this isn't a perfect, it's, it's not, ne- I also, I'll be totally honest for everybody. Like I can't, I can't just pick my end of the season top 16. Cause that's, I need people to listen to my show and argue and talk <laughs> about it. So, you know, there is some sort of like, I've got to have movement every week, you know, and, and give people something to follow. But I want, I do want people to trust me. I want them to look at this every week. And then I want them to really like, 
think about it. And, you know, just like Zach was nice enough to think about it and go, oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yes, we all know Clemson's probably not the 60. I be honest with you, I don't know Clemson's not the 16th best team in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, we're assuming they're not. That's just me. But, yes, I totally understand. If, but I also can't see having them in the top 10 right now when they got a field goal. I, you know, I just keep going back to that. I don't know what to tell anybody. Like, yeah. I'm watching – you know, I'm watching like Ole Miss has 26 points right now at the beginning of the second half. Do we really think they couldn't score six points against Georgia? Like six? Yeah. So I, I don't want to get too crazy, but Clemson is going to be a divisive team all year, much yeah. like Ohio State is in their seasons. SEC will work itself out. But, um, you know, I, if, if it just, just so everybody knows, I beat myself up about this list for like 12 hours before I finally put it out. Um, I, I'm as unsure of it when it, when it hits as everybody else. I have these many arguments in my head. Uh, Texas was a big one. Uh, USC, I think, is going to come back to bite me, but I'm like, if I believe it week zero and they, they looked pretty good. You know, I don't know what to do. I'm hoping that USC and UCLA have a big clash, you know, for the Pac 12. So, yeah. I'm hoping so as well, like you said. You, 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 I mean, you're right into believing them because, like you said, you, you're trusting your eyes and, and, until they prove you wrong. I know they have a track record, but until they prove you wrong this year, this season, I can see them staying at five as well. But so outside of that, I'm, I'm glad everybody on here is definitely understanding. Um, but very, very happy, very glad to have our Ohio State guys, college football experts, and, um, you know, just, just the great – VPs of Off the Ball Network here to join us for you know the college football segment. I know you guys got to take off and go, but of course, before you do, definitely want to give you guys your due diligence. Let everybody know where you can find you at. Um, I'll start with you, Jeff. Hey, I'm I'm Jeff. Need sports, obviously. Anywhere you can find uh, podcast, uh, get at me at J Hunt Double O Six on Twitter. Uh, follow the Off the Ball Network. You know we'll, we'll all show up there. Go to OffTheBallNetwork.com and check out all these guys. Um, Jelani, Thad, thanks for having me on your show. This was a blast. I love talking college ball. Uh, this is kind of our wheelhouse. Um, it's it, it ju- it's just going to get better from here week after week. So I appreciate it, uh, Mo. It's great to work with you as usual. Um, I'm. We'll, it, it probably won't be 12 hours. We'll be working together again. But, That's uh, you this guys, is also true. <laughs> yeah, you guys are great. I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. As well, said Mo up in flames. Drop yeah, uh, you know, everybody knows you find me at Up in Flames Pod on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Mo underscore Cheese 15 uh, for my personal account. Um, you can always catch me on Dash Radio every Monday. Uh, skip this past Monday. Uh, just you know, haven't been in the basketball mood um, since that's on the Nothing But Net channel. That's all uh, basketball, and I'm all in on football. It's football season right now, so mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do – you know, I wasn't able to do a show this Monday, but we'll be back cracking uh, next Monday, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm going to start doing a little bit of more shorter shows, but solo, um, mm-hmm. especially talking about football, getting into kind of some of the same things, some breakdowns for games. Uh, have some articles to match some of my shows, but even just putting more content out, um, you know, uh, as far as just covering college, covering NFL, pregame shows uh, for Ohio State and the Cowboys. I'm trying to make that a thing uh, every weekend where I'm able to just at least do a 30-minute pregame show, get you ready for those games on Saturdays and Sundays. But I appreciate y'all for having me on. Um, and obviously, you know, I got to go, but I'm going to continue tuning in and listening. want to hear what y'all have to say about week one of the football season 
Either one of y'all talk bad about my Cowboys, you're fired. So I'm going to leave you with that. I was that. just about to tell you, you might as well just do the pregame shows for Ohio State. I don't know if the Cowboys <laughs> one's going to, it's going to matter too much. So, but, but as always, like I said, definitely, definitely great to have you on, Mo. Obviously, you're welcome anytime. But uh, we, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep, uh, keep it professional. We're going to keep it nice in the next few minutes. But, uh, appreciate All right, you, fellas. Sure, appreciate on. you, bro. All right, all right, all right. Like I said, those two guys appreciate from having on. We're gonna switch over. Probably keep it quick, quick keep it concise. Like I said, we're gonna be talking about the Bucks, and we're gonna be talking about Cowboys, which we don't like to spend too much time on anyway. But uh, just the NFL season. Like I said, switching over to talk about a little NFL. Um, we'll both I guess we preview our teams real quick. What we expect from at least this season. Um, like I said. Week one pickums real quick. We'll talk about the Thursday night matchup and then maybe some bold predictions. But uh, Thad, just your overall feelings and thoughts about the NFL season coming up. What uh, what should we? What do you expect just to happen this year? I know it's going to be a good one. Um, and then you said just preview your, your, your Jacksonville Jaguars. What what you feeling like we should be uh seeing from them this year? You know, first off with the NFL, I love football, but I prefer the NFL over college. I don't know why, but I just always have. I, Sundays hit different for me. So, you know, expecting another good season, excited for the season. I say every season I'm excited, but this season feels a little different. The draft felt different. So, you know, Sunday I'm locked in, really Thursday. But excited for a new a new NFL season, excited to see what teams will fall, what teams will rise. You know, every year there's a team that was fourth place or didn't make the playoffs that makes the playoffs. So excited to see who that will be, you know, who will be the breakout player, who will fall off a cliff and, you know, yeah. What will happen? But moving forward to my Jaguars, just looking forward to a good season. For me, this is year one of the rebuilding stage. New coach, finally got our quarterback that we haven't had, our franchise guy since uh, Mark Brunell. I'm just excited to see the progress throughout the season. Not expecting much. I'm a realistic Jaguar fan. You know, I'm not one of those. I'm not like the Cowboy fans that expect Super Bowl to bust every year when they haven't been since I've been born. But <laughs> Just expecting progress throughout the season. A lot of young, a young team, a lot of young players and new roles, a lot of playing time. So it will only get better throughout the season. And I just would like to see our offense develop a identity. You know, we have some young receivers. Uh, well, not young. Well, DJ Chark and Chenault are young, but we have some young guys, uh, some young defensive linemen, a very, very young secondary that I'm very excited about a linebacker core that I'm not too excited about and a young D line. So just looking forward to a lot of young guys that I haven't seen play yet play. And, you know, week one, it starts in Houston, but just, I'm, I'm excited looking forward to the season, not expecting too much. I know we're getting the record predict. Well, for my team, I am, I'm expecting six and 11 or seven and 10. That's good for me. Realistic for me, anything better is a plus, but you know, not expecting too much from the team, but just excited to see how we, Response to adversity, how Urban responds to adversity because he didn't lose much at Ohio State in Florida, as you guys well know. Yeah. But just, just you know, every week I'm expecting to see improvements. And, you know, hopefully I get that. But how do you feel about your Falcons this season and the NFL as a whole? Uh, yeah. For, first with the NFL, of course, because they just glad for it to be back. Like you said, NFL does feel a little bit different. We, you know, we both are lovers of college and, and, and NFL football in general, but uh, it just hits a little bit different. Um, except those Sundays, even some Thursday, Thursday nights, Monday nights, you know, catch it all three of those days. But I, uh, I personally think we're in for a, a great, you know, great, great season. I don't know if it's going to be 
I don't want to call it historic, but I feel like like a lot of historic things are going to happen. I feel like we have a lot of teams that are a lot better than, I guess, in just the previous years. Like obviously the Bills have been on the rise the past two, two, three years. Um, Cleveland is looking like a, a they should be a dominant team in AFC North that just you know makes that conference even stronger. We already know what the NFC West is about. Um, you know, even in the AFC West, you know, certain teams are, are starting to build and get a little bit better. Chargers are looking like they'll compete and give a you know Kansas City a run for their money, if not this year, within the next few years. So I think there's a lot of a lot of youth in the league. I think there's a lot of teams that have gotten better or at least looking to get better, take a step forward this year. Um into next or like I said, just make a complete leap this year. But uh for my Falcons, uh I tweeted I think yesterday. I definitely I expect like the more I keep thinking about it, the more I'm settling into it. I know it's been a lot of overturn you know, turnover, a lot of change. Um you know, both with personnel, uh, player-wise, and with coaches. But I don't know. I'm just feeling like they they should go ten and seven, maybe eleven and six, somewhere in there. Because I mean, we, we we got a week schedule. I don't care. And like the tougher teams that we do play, we play them towards the end of the year, so they could be possibly the resting people or you know just the the brutal brutalness of the season would have taken its course by then. Maybe some injuries. You know, never know what what possibly can play out. But I feel like. Like I said, these first two, three weeks obviously going to be very important. I think the culture is definitely different. It's changed. Um, you know, Arthur Smith is definitely a guy that's holding everyone accountable. So is DMPs. So I feel like the certain things that we saw fly last year definitely not going on this year. And a lot of games that we lost last year were, you know, mental mistakes, you know, coaching errors, coaching not – or coaches not adjusting to certain things. Like, it wasn't too much personnel. It was just like dumb stuff was happening, obviously, and we, and we was losing games, close games, especially early on. So I feel like a lot of that is going to be, you know, different and changed this year with, you know, just the accountability held, um, you know, from the coaching staff. So I definitely expect them to get a wild card spot. Like 10 and 7, 11 and 6 should definitely get it done for sure. But, you know, I, I, I am a level-headed Falcons fan, but I feel like that's definitely attainable. I know it may not seem like it from what mm-hmm. we've shown in the past few years. Don't give me don't don't mm-hmm. it don't I know it don't seem attainable, but it is it's attainable. Just look at the schedule. Like we play the NFC East and we play the NFC East and what's the other uh division we play? I forgot the other division we play, but it's another weak division. Like the, the toughest teams I think we play are the Bills, obviously, the Bucks, San Francisco. Oh, AFC East, that's the other one. Um that's that's an easy division. It's not an easy division, but I mean I will take my chances against the Jets and Patriots. I think we can beat those two teams at least in that division. And depending on the type of uh, the type of two of they that that shows, because we play them early, I think maybe week three or week four, one of those two, then that's possibly a game that we got right there as well. Like the only team that's obviously not as tough, but like I said, we play the Bills, and that's like the the second to last game of the year. So who knows what's going to be what they're going to be by then? You know, they may have dealt with injuries. They deal with injuries a lot, typically on defense, and um, like I said, they may be even resting guys if they just run away with the division. Well, make them be resting guys because obviously they got to worry about Kansas City and possibly their 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 projection is you know number one seed so they can get people or not people have the playoffs run through uh playoffs run through their stadium. But I don't yeah. know. I feel like anything anything possibly happens. So AFC East, I don't think it's as daunting as it looks. They have gotten better, I do believe, but I think we can we we can take on Patriots. Jets should be you know. I'm not saying it's an easy game. It's one that we definitely should be able to compete in and, and pull out, and even the Dolphins one as well. So 
don't know. It's not far stretched. It's not far fetched. I feel like I feel like it's definitely attainable. But you know, we'll move off my Falcons. But uh, yeah, real quick, you know, we came out. We're we're gonna come out with some regular season predictions and stuff like that, out. where I'll explain that. But I expect y'all to have a rebuilding season. I just had to put that in there real quick. The ten wins is a little crazy. I do expect y'all to win more than mm-hmm. some people have y'all with like four and five. Some people say y'all gonna win four or five, but I have a little more. But I think you're getting a little out of hand, and that defense is still that defense. But, you know, we'll see if these guys figure the defense, it out. The, the defense is a little bit of a question mark, but I will say, I don't know, everybody's been saying it too, I don't know if it was a genius move or, you know, it's just going to be questionable. We did not play like any defensive starters, maybe one, maybe two, the whole preseason. Like, they, they didn't get any type of snaps. So I'm expecting the defense – I'm not expecting an all-world defense. Like I said, really what I'm expecting, if they can be middle of the pack, if they can be like the fourth, 13th, 14th best defense somewhere in there, and our offense can, which I don't think is going to take a major step back from us losing Coolio like that because, you know, he missed a, a, good, a good amount of games last year, and we obviously survived without him and replaced him with another offensive weapon. Um, I personally think, it's, like I said, they can just be a middle of the pack defense in our offense doesn't even our office doesn't even take a step back. If our office could be consistent and our defense doesn't take or our defense is a middle of pack defense, we have a chance to maybe the 10 wins could be crazy, but we have a chance to be somewhere in the middle, like go 500, well, obviously 17 games, not possibly go a game over 500, whatever the case may be. But I really think, like I said, our schedule is favorable outside of playing the Bucks twice, Bill, San Francisco. Like I said, you, you never know the type of teams. Even though they showed a lot, they showed a big jump last year. The Dolphins, you don't know really what you can get out of them. Patriots, you know they're always going to be prepared. Um, you know, obviously inside of our division, we still got to worry about Tampa. Not Tampa, sorry, uh, the Saints and Carolina a little bit. But I feel like those are always toss-up games. We we never really lose too much to Carolina anyway. Even Tampa Bay too, or not Tampa Bay, New Orleans. At least I don't expect this to this year. So, um, yeah. I feel like it, it might be crazy. I'll back off. Of, I'm back off ten games a little bit, but I'll say nine and eight. We'll, we'll go nine and eight. But like I said, we'll get into all the records and everything, and who who you think we'll lose to and all that. Yeah, right, we'll see. But uh, real quick, just go through stock risers, stock followers, sleeper squads. We'll probably just name one or two for each. Um, but obviously, we just teams that you expect to be a little bit better than what they showed last year. Um, coming into this year. For me, um, it's kind of hard because I'm going to have some for sleepers and stock risers, but I'm going to go with – for me, I'm going to go with the Giants and the Chargers. I've said this again on all the podcasts I've been on. The Chargers are a good team. They just can't close games. They had a 16-point lead in four games. Mm-hmm. No, they had a double-digit uh, two-touchdown lead in four straight games and blew all four of them. So closing out games is a big thing that they need to work on. Uh, they got rid of Anthony Lynn, hopefully – uh, Coach Allen from coming from the Rams can you know be better in those late game situations. Uh, mm-hmm. Just clock management, it's little things you know that coaches should be able to do. So hopefully they can close out those games. And then the Giants for me, they played well. Uh, seems like that all the guys are bought in on Joe Judge. And the big thing with them is just not turning over the ball. Well, mainly Daniel Jones. You know the defense is going to play. They're going to keep him in games. They have all those weapons, a crazy amount of weapons. Like if you look at the Giants roster on paper, their offensive roster, they, I think they're in the top 10 for sure. But, yeah. you know, it all comes down to Daniel Jones and can he 
stop fumbling the ball. He he throw he doesn't throw too many picks. I think he had 12 last year, but his biggest thing is fumbling the ball in the pocket. So hopefully he can, you know, limit those turnovers. And I think the Giants will be able to take off because that defense on paper looks good as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What do you got for your uh your riser? Um uh, my risers, uh, I don't I'm trying to consider if it can even be really considered a riser. Um because I had the two teams I had, obviously, the two teams I had, I don't feel like I can fully consider them risers because they made the playoffs last year. But I think their situations are better this year to where mm-hmm. they could possibly be better teams. Um, and one, both of them were uh, to the Colts and the other one was Washington. Like, obviously, Fitzpatrick is not the answer by any means, but having a quarterback carousel is obviously not an answer either. Like, yeah, what they had like four or five starting quarterbacks last year at a point, or nope. yeah, four, three, three, like, three at least. Three. Three. Yeah, at least three. But I feel like it, I feel like it, it was four. Dwayne, Kyle, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen, uh, who was the one that started in the playoffs? Oh, Alex, no, no, Taylor Heineke and Alex, Smith. Heineke, I about that. yeah, and Alex Smith. I was gonna say, I yeah, know it was four. at least four of them, so four. um. Yeah, just having maybe a consistent quarterback, like I said, to and they, 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 they added to the offense. That defensive line is still crazy. Um, you just have to worry a little bit about the secondary, but with that front seven, you know, yeah, generating pressure, they don't, yeah, they don't have that, yeah, they don't have that hard of a task. So, I think, and they, like I said, they won a division last year. So, the only reason I'm saying rise, depending on the rest of their division, typically is ass. Like, the only thing they got really worried about is the Cowboys. Um, but typically they get in their own way anyway. So every year they, they, they have a possibility, like I said, to, to be better. And I don't think their strength of schedule is that strong either. Obviously they're playing in the NFC East. So I don't even think like I said, outside of that, I don't think it's that strong. You know, they play us. Oh, they play the NFC South and, uh, got the other division, but they, like I, said, I don't know if it's really super considered a riser, but I feel like they got better in another year, another year, the same, you know, same coaching staff. Same, um, you know, offensive scheme, um, you know, adding the people that they did add, like I said, Curtis Samuel, I think he'll be really good for that offense. They have a balanced backfield now um, with two pretty good backs. Um, so I think they have a chance to just improve on what they did last year. And they you said it, people going to be quick to give the division back to the Cowboys just because Dak's back healthy. And, you know, they got a few guys on defense, but that shouldn't be the case. And then I think what I said, I said the Colts. Nope. I had a reason for it earlier, and now I'm I'm thinking about it and saying it. I really don't. I think the only reason I said that was because Carson Wentz. I feel like they should have won the playoff game last year with Philip, even with Philip Rude heading them, but his, his arm strength obviously wasn't there. So figuring that Carson Wentz, if healthy, like that defense is ridiculous. They have a, they have a solid defense. Their offense isn't terrible. They got guys that can make plays on the offense. So as long as they have consistent quarterback play and we're expecting Wentz to be one healthy, we're expecting him to obviously be, you know, better than Phillip Rivers was last year. He has a stronger arm. He can use his legs a little bit as well. So I feel like with them and the only team in their division that's in their way is the Titans, which I think they split with last year um, in their two head in their two head head matchups. So as long as Wentz is healthy, I feel like this guy's win for them. They possibly can win that division. Like I said, I know the Titans is the hot team, but Titans still have a lot to worry about with their defense. I think the Colts have obviously 
their answers on defense. Offensively, it's just really the consistency at quarterback. If they have Carson Wentz and he's, you know, embodies himself from what that what was the year? The year they won the Super Bowl before he got hurt. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. So I think they have a chance. I think they like I said they not not I say not really I guess cheating a little bit, not really rising because they made the playoffs, but their situations I feel like are better if people can stay healthy in a sense. Yeah, I, I like both of your uh, the risers. Both of those teams, in my opinion, are quarterback away from being contenders. I uh, will. Exactly. I think. I think Carson Wentz is that guy. I think you know his confidence was ruining Philly completely. So he has a guy that believed in him. He had his best season under this guy. So I I agree with that. And the football team, their defense is young and stacked. They just need. They have playmakers on offense as well with Gibson. They got McLaurin. Uh, Jeez, what's his name? Curtis Samuel. So yeah, I yeah. think, you know, they're a quarterback away from consistent quarterback play away from being a contender in the NFC. So I, I like I like both those. Exactly. Appreciate that. Stock fallers, two teams that you may have that obviously aren't as good as they were last year. I don't I had I had a whole bunch of picks for this one, but I'm gonna go with not the obvious pick. Like Philly was one of them, but I think everybody knows that Philly might be a stock faller. So I'm going to go with Vegas, and I'm going to go with Seattle. Vegas, their offensive line used to be one of the best in the league, and they lost most of their offensive line. You know, they're skilled players as well. Second-best tight end in the league, in my opinion. I think Darren Waller is better than Kittle, in my opinion. That's a hot take. But him and Ruggs, um, they're solid. They got Brian Edwards, who's been a breakout star in camp from South Carolina. But their defense has always been a liability. They got my guy Yannick Ngakwe to add to the pass rush that they haven't had since Khalil Mack departed, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to get over the top. I like him and Max Crosby, but I don't know about that. And that linebacker core is eh. They got my guy Trayvon Morig, who I wanted the Jaguars to get, but I don't know if him, he's going to be the guy to take the secondary over the top. So I just think the Raiders are going to fall off, and that AFC West is only getting better. You know, you got Casey, who's going to be there for the next 15 years. The Chargers are rising, the Broncos are rising, and the Raiders are the only team not getting better. So I see the Raiders deteriorating off, even though they haven't made the playoffs. Like they started off the last two seasons good, and you know, after yeah. Thanksgiving, they fall off, but I don't yeah. even see them starting off well this year. In Seattle, I mean, you know, I, I love Russ. I want him to prove me wrong. I don't, I'm not doubting him, but I am at the same time. I just think that division is hell, and they're going to suffer from it. You know, their offensive line got a little better. They added, uh, Rodney Hudson from the Raiders, actually. Mm-hmm. And they added Gerald Everett. But that that secondary is just consistently getting better. It's going to be a gauntlet. And I think that Russ is not going to be able to completely carry his team like he has in years past. You know, they didn't bring back K.J. Wright. Uh, they lost some secondary help. They got Sidney Jones from the Jaguars, which I like. But mm-hmm. I don't think that defense, you know, obviously it's not what it used to be. And the defense is not very strong. And I just don't think Russ will be able to carry – his team against all these good teams in the division. So I think the Seahawks will be followers, but they could, they could be followers and still make the playoffs at nine and set nine and eight. But I don't see them being at the top of the division. Like they're used to who you got. I can see that. I can see that. Um, It's it's a little crazy because both of us are, we're about to pick, well, you just picked a team that, you know, that's kind of been there consistently. They've they've been a playoff team, been, you know, has had rosters outside the offensive line. And um, some defensive and defensive line at times have been yeah. decent enough to, or good enough to you know, compete possibly, um, you know, outside maybe the last two years for Super Bowls. That was just there in, in Super Bowl contention and talks not too long ago, um, in Seattle. But 
the Raiders was one of mine as well, just because of what you said. You hit on the head. Both years start off strong, look promising, looking like they, you know, will con- you know compete in the AFC West and in the AFC in general, and possibly vie for a, a playoff spot. But right after Thanksgiving, it's over with. I don't know really what's wrong with that team, and it's not like I said, it's not looking like it's going to get any better. I don't really think they fully answered any questions on defense. I think they're still too young, and I still think their defense honestly is too weak. Um, and they always have, like I said, offensive line issues. Uh, and John Gruden doesn't really like Derek Carr, so I don't, I don't really think any of that. I don't think that work. either, bro. Yeah, like that's not that. gonna, that's not gonna work. Your head coach doesn't like your, you know, I guess in a sense, franchise quarterback. It's just weird, weird dynamic. So I don't, I, they're definitely falling. They've been falling. They're gonna continue to fall. But my other one was um, actually the Steelers, and not all for faults on their own, but because one ben, big ben is still their quarterback this year i don't th- we obviously know he's not the big ben of old i think in the ways he can and will hold them back um at times just because of his you know his decisions and arm strength um also i think just the well shit now that like i said now the ravens have lost almost all their running backs besides gus edwards um it looks like they may sign Le'Veon bell or, or todd Gurley, but he said i don't i don't think have to they, they got to sign one of the two, but I was about to say, like, just like I said, not to follow their own, but the Browns have gotten better. The Ravens are still, you know, one of one of the better teams in that AFC North. Um, even the Bengals are coming a little bit. Obviously, I don't think they leapfrog the Steelers you know, by any means, but I feel like the emergence of the Browns is a reason why I feel like they're falling because, like, you know the AFC, the AFC, the, the AFC as a whole has just gotten way better in the last year or two. Typically, it was the NFC that was kind of running things, but the AFC has gotten so much better that you know, and their division has gotten so much better. Like they can easily miss the playoffs this year. I can definitely see that happen. Like they can easily miss the playoffs. Um, you know, in Big Ben's last little ride, but they have a great defense. They have a solid offense. They addressed their needs in the draft that they needed to this upcoming year with the running back, obviously with Najee. Um, and because the defensively, they've always you know been great, and they'll get guys back from injury. Um, so it's not to any fault of their own, but I think the Browns have gotten so much better. They've gotten so much more comfortable in year two with Kevin, or is it two or three with Kevin Stefanski? Year two. Year two. Okay, yeah, year two. Yep. And I think Baker looks a little bit better. That defense is ridiculous. The way they've drafted, like I said, we we feel like they got one or if not two steals in this this past year's draft. Um, with JOK, and I think they drafted Greg Newsom as well. Plus, yep. they they drafted well last year. I forgot the the corner the DB's name, but he got injured. Yeah, Greedy um, Williams is Greedy good. Williams. Yeah, yeah. Healthy. So he should be back and healthy. So I, I feel like the Browns have leapfrogged them in a sense. Um, the Ravens are still very very good. They have a great defense offensively. As long as you know they sign a viable running back, they should be okay. Um, receiver wise, I think. They didn't address, you know, a number one, but they helped. Like I said, they, they got they went out, got Sammy Watkins, they got Rashad Bateman, still have Hollywood, um, they still got Mark Andrews, and they still got Lamar. So those two are running the AFC North, I believe. And unfortunately, I think they're falling just because like I said Big Ben don't think he's gonna be the one to get them over the hump, especially in this now loaded AFC conference. I like the picks as well. The Steelers one, Steelers one is tough. I had them as one of my followers, but yeah. like I said, you just got to prove me wrong or prove me otherwise because yeah. as long as I've been around and I've watched the Steelers, 
Mike Tomlin's kept them. Yeah, afloat, he's gonna make a way. Know. Yeah. Their worst season is what eight and eight. So I just it will hard. It will be hard for me to you know predict them. Yeah. Falling like that. I think he's just. When AB and uh, Le'Veon were there, he ha- he didn't control the locker room completely, but I think he has complete control of the locker room. It's a lot of grown men in there, leaders. No, no divas in there. Mm-hmm. No guys. Mm-hmm. No cancers. Kinda. <laughs> so, you know, I think he has the locker room under control. So I, it's yeah. just tough for me to go against the Steelers, but I I understand why you're you know. Yeah, as I said, no fault to their own. Like it's just things that's happened around them. Like you said, Mike Tomlin, I think is one definitely one of the greater coaches still in the in the league. Yeah. And like I said, they, they got great players. They're a great organization. But I feel like there's just certain teams that have surpassed them in their conference and or in their division and in the conference as a whole. So just but so many spots, even though they did add one extra you know, playoff spot still from last year, just so many playoff spots that, that's, that's up for grabs. But, you know, like you said, we'll, we'll see. Like, till the, for you, I guess it's till they, you know, for me too. Until they prove us otherwise, but it's going to definitely be a tough, tough year for them. And uh, lastly, we'll finish off on sleeper squads. So for me, I kind of looked at this as teams that people are, are have already thrown away, put down. Like they're just pretty much playing 17 games and can obviously easily sneak up and, and surprise some people, and you know either get you know in the playoffs, maybe a first or second round exit. So who are your sleeper squads? Mine or I'm gonna explain why too. I'm gonna start off with Denver so I can explain. I have Denver and Carolina. Denver, I know everybody's like they have all these weapons. Deshaun wanted to go there. Aaron Rodgers wanted to go there. Denver is a sleeper squad because not because of who they named their starting quarterback. You know, everybody here is Teddy Bridgewater. All they're done. They got a game manager, it's quarterback, they're not going anywhere. But this is my opinion. I think Denver is a sleeper because they have all that talent. They have defensive talent. Uh, Von Miller didn't play last year. Bradley Chubb's coming a year off of ACL. You know when you have an injury, a catastrophic injury, you know, it takes a little bit over a year to get back to your full self. You're 100%, but you're not. You don't trust it mm-hmm. as much as you did. So it takes about a year to get that confidence back. And Teddy Bridgewater, with all that talent and the, the defense that's going to keep them in all these games, he's going to he's not going to take them out of any games. He's going to be a game manager, but he's not going to do anything to give the game away. He's going to yeah. – uh, make the right decisions, not try to – he knows as a veteran quarterback that every play is not a home run. He knows when to take the check down and when to take the home run shot. And I think because of that, he won't lose in too many games. You won't see on a game winning drive Teddy Bridgewater throwing a pick six or a game where Denver lost because of Teddy Bridgewater's five turnovers. So because yeah. of that, I think he's going to keep them in a lot of games along with the defense and the talent. So – and, you know, Teddy's one of those guys. He's not even pushing the ball down the field like that, but with Denver – like they were saying earlier with Mo and Jeff, you just got to get the ball in your weapons' hands and let them do the rest of the work. And with yeah. KJ Hamler, Sutton, Judy, um, Melvin Gordon, and that rookie running back, Devontae Williams, I think he's going to yeah. be a sleeper. So I, I think with Teddy Bridgewater running the helm, with Drew Locke, he was going to lose him some games with that gunslinger mentality. And I think with yeah. Teddy, it's the opposite. So I think Denver is a sleeper team. And Carolina, you know, a lot of people like Sam Darnold, and a lot of people think he's not that guy, but I think – well, Matt Rule taking a chance on him and the offensive weapons that they have, along with getting a sleeper pick and another guy that I wanted the Jaguars to get in Terrence Marshall, mm-hmm. they will they will take off. The year before, they all seven of their draft picks were on defense, so that you know they were trying to rebuild the defense. And I think people haven't given you know maybe he has one more games because I think if I'm not mistaken, the Panthers only won four or five games last year. But I think Matt Rule yeah. did a decent job uh, 
orchestrating the team, controlling the locker room. And I think the team's bought in with him. And I, I think they'll take off with the new quarterback under the helm. You know, Teddy Bridgewater was just a game manager. They didn't like that. You know, Matt Matt Rule's one of those Bruce Arians type guys, you know, no risky, no biscuit type guys. And I think him and yeah. Sam Darnold will do well together. And I think they will surprise a lot of folks because the defense will get better and their offense, I think, will take off with the healthy CMC. That's a scary receiver combo. One of the best. Yeah. Well, not nah, you can't say one of the best yet because Terrence Marshall's a rookie. But at, at the end of this season, I think, you know, people will respect the, uh, Carolina's offense a lot more. So I see them taking off. I know you might not want to hear that, but nah. they're going to surprise folks. No, the thing is, I agree with it. I think I, you know, I don't know if I've said it. I know I've said it in some form of capacity when we talked about this on other shows, but uh, I know the NFC is wide open. NFC South is wide open outside of the Bucks. Um, you know, it's really who's fighting for the second place at this moment um, in time. And it can very well be them because I feel like they have all the tools necessary in order to do it. They got a young, promising defense. They drafted, you know, deep all defense last year, like you said, and they uh, got who can arguably be the, the best corner in the draft this year, J.C. Horn. Obviously have the most dynamic back or one of the most dynamic backs in the league in CMC. Sam Darnold, who I think a lot of us think he's a better quarterback than what he showed in in, uh, in New York. Um, obviously, he's, he's around. He's around higher caliber coaching. He's also around, you know, better offensive mind and coaching as well. Um, and they got a bunch of weapons on offense, too. So it's like I, I can definitely see it. They – they have all the tools to be great. It might just take some, take a few weeks to, to kind of gel. I don't really know what they did during preseason. Um, I said I didn't pay attention to pay attention to them that much. And I don't know if they really played their starters really that that much throughout preseason. But it is right there for them for the taking. They can and just like us, uh, I forgot the other games that they have. Obviously, they play AFC East and they play in the NFC East as well, so they don't have that terribly hard of a schedule either. So it's very possible they can easily be the number two team in the NFC South and can be, you know, right there in the playoffs, you know, wild card, seventh seventh or sixth spot. So definitely don't want to hear it, like you said, though, but I I can definitely see it. And that was one of my sleeper teams as well, unfortunately, going against my um, going against my Falcons, um, even though, like I said, I already, already put them in the playoffs, so maybe it's going to sound stupid. It probably definitely ain't going to happen. Three teams out the NFC South make the playoffs. But um, outside yeah, I of think, that, I, really, I think it's the wrong NFC. Yeah. Uh, right. That, that is definitely the wrong NFC that's going to have two teams. We all know it's going to be the NFC West somehow, some way. And that's kind of how I, why I struggle with this a little bit because, like, there's teams that I kind of want to pick, but I feel like there's certain aspects that are going to get in the way, like the Bears we've talked about before, like, we feel like Justin Fields should probably day, be day one starter because um, you just don't want to mess around with that type of stuff, throwing him in week four or five when you've already lost maybe three or four games and kind of puts it you know, your season in jeopardy anyway because obviously you have the Vikings, which aren't that terrible of a squad in the division. you got um, the Packers as well, and then just the NFC as a whole, like very still very, very competitive and he's put so many games in playoff spots. So I feel like they'll start Andy and that's gonna kinda ruin things. So I can't really pick him as a sleeper because I feel like the start the starting of Andy could possibly lose them some games that's gonna possibly put them out of playoff condition at the end of the year. Um but outside I like it's not really a sleeper. These other two two teams, they're not really sleeper teams. I feel like people know that they're pretty good and talented, but it's just you know, it's only it's only two spots really that they're vying for is going to be yeah. obviously San Francisco, 
I think I think they're the only team because, like you say, Chicago and them are kind of the same situation. They have veteran quarterbacks that they know what they have in them, but they want to kind of go with the younger guy. Um, I think obviously Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to be a day one starter in San, San Fran, but he's so injury prone, and I don't think he's as dynamic of a passer and obviously user of the legs as Trey Lance, but he does win games. That counts for something. <laughs> he wins games. Um, everybody's back healthy on that defense. Offensively, they still have the weapons, um, especially in the backfield. So I, they're not really a sleeper. I just think if health's on their side, they can make some noise. Like they, they could just return back to you know the status that they were at, you know, just a couple of years ago, um, or the year before, obviously last year, COVID year, whatever. So not really a sleeper, but I just feel like they have to have health on their side, and the sky's the limit for them. Like you said, they can easily leapfrog the Seahawks in the division. They could possibly be a top three team in the NFC um, conference if they just stay healthy. And say whether they go do it with Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, I feel like obviously they'll do it with Jimmy. Um, they can easily just jump right back to that you know prominence that they had just a few years ago. But like I say they're just different from Chicago because I feel like Chicago coaches. I don't know. It's something about Matt Nagy. You know, they just make dumb decisions that kind of just put them back. And like I said, them starting Andy Dalton, which would probably look like it'll be for first two three games, just don't seem like it's gonna. Uh, it just don't seem like it's gonna work out for them, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I agree with all those. And then that, like, when people push back about Justin Fields starting, I know a lot of people have said it, but really, like, you got to think about it. You cannot throw this man to the wolves against the Rams week one on Sunday night. It's just, yeah, it's not setting him up for success. Throw man when it's good, you know, coming off a of bye week uh, against the Lions, you know, something. Uh, easy double. There's no easy double in the NFL, but you know, set them up for success as smoothly as you can. That's yeah. all. That's all it is. That is true. That is true. I feel that. So after week one, once Andy Dalton gets tore up by Aaron Donald and them, then you can throw him in the game. Okay. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. But yep. Next, moving on, got to talk about the week one matchup that we're going to be seeing about what three days now. Um, two really. Two yeah, and a half. Two, yeah. Days almost over. Yeah, about two and a half. Um, I think this is probably going to be short. Like I said, I wish Mo was here for it. But, uh, you know, Cowboys versus Tampa Bay. I really don't know why they even picked Cowboys, you know, the face down. You know, the first game of the year typically is always, if not a Super Bowl rematch, is typically like the conference rematch. Like, it should be like Green Bay versus Tampa Bay. But whatever. Like I said, it's Cowboys versus Tampa Bay. So just quick thoughts on what you expect from this game and these two teams. I really do wish Mo was here, but I don't think this game is going to be close at all. And to top it off, Zach Martin's not playing. Yep. So for the reason I was going to give, I'll explain that. But starting off, you know, my prediction, if I had to give a score, I would say in a perfect world, which I think is going to be a blowout, I think it would be 38 to 20. But knowing the Cowboys, it might be 38 to 28 because they'll get a garbage touchdown until, you know, Zach and their love throwing those little garbage touchdowns. But uh, I just think it's a mismatch overall. The Bucks are bringing everybody back. The continuity is there. They're, everybody, they're flying high. And I think, you know, with Brady, he was in New England all those times. He Belichick instilled that mentality in him. Like, once the Super Bowl is over, once it's time to get back to work, last year is over with. Like, it's time to work. There's no Super Bowl hangover. There's no feeling good about yourself. It's time to work. So I think there won't be a hangover starting off week one, and they'll be ready to go. 
And it's just going to be tough. The offense will be clicking. The defense will be good. And, you know, with Dak, I still have some worries about his arm. Mm -hmm. I know he's practicing full goal, but will he be able to – I know adrenaline will be running too, and they will shoot him up. I know that already. (laughs) They don't even have to ask. But will his arm be able to hold up throwing the ball with – because, you know, you can't baby the ball in the game. You not you don't yeah. know how hard you're going to have to throw the ball to get in the spot during the game. You can't, like, predict that. So, it's just going to be tough. And then, will they have to rely on the running game? But can they, with Zach Martin being out, their Hall of Fame and Pro Bowl and All-Pro uh, guard, Vita Van and Dominic and Sue are good, one of the best three-tech and uh, nose-tackle tandems in the league. So, are you going to be able to run the ball and establish the run? And can Dak drop back and throw the ball 50 times? So, I just think. Both ways, it's going to be a recipe for disaster, and the Cowboys will get run off the yeah. run off the field. But you know, they could show up with all that talent. They could finally, you know, it looks nice on paper. They could put it together on the field, and it could be a close game, a twenty-eight to twenty-four game. But my prediction is 38-20 Tampa. Yeah, I definitely had already said it's going to be a two-touchdown game, regardless. So I, if I had to go with one, it'd probably be something similar, like thirty-four. 17, something like that. Um, yeah, about 34, 17. Um, I, uh, you, you pretty much took all the words out of my mouth. I don't see the Cowboys really winning this game or being in this game whatsoever. Um, one, because we have so many questions about Dak, his health, um, his ankle, his arm. They lost Zach Martin. Um, they, that offensive line was already getting old. Um, uh, and it was losing guys, but uh, you, you, it's just tough playing a, a, a champ, a team that's champions that have literally returned everyone that has, you know, this guy right here heading, heading them, keeping their head on straight and kind of, you know, letting them know the ins and outs. Like, all right, you know, we're not satisfied with one. We're trying to build a little mini dynasty, you know, while I'm still around, still playing here. So it, it, it's definitely going to be a tough out for them. Um, I feel like it's going to be a win for them if they're able to one come out of the game healthy because they typically have a lot. They're just typically an injury prone team, like I said, index sometimes an injury prone quarterback. If they come out healthy and they keep the game within ten points, I feel like that's a win on win for them because in a way it, it, it's kind of showing growth from last year. Um, like I said their defense is pretty much. The whole secondary is pretty much new outside of the uh, rookie they drafted last year, Trayvon Diggs. You know, they're pretty much Atlanta Falcons U now um, with the deep coordinator and, uh, you know, our two safeties. But uh, I still don't think they're really that – they're good enough to keep up with this offense or at least stop this offense and keep them under, you know, a certain amount of points to to win this game. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be – Week one dub for Tampa um, Cowboys. Like I said, as long as they're able to come out of the game healthy and keep it within like a 10 point game most of the time, I think that's a win for them. I'd take that if I was if I was uh, Mo or Kenneth. I forgot, but he's a Cowboys fan as well. So, so I agree uh, with you. I agree with your takes. Hopefully, it's not close though. The Cowboys. I love when the Cowboys get humbled and can't wait for them to get humbled. Yeah, I love it too. Like I said. Even though I like like so this Cowboys team a little bit different from all other ones. I kind of like guys on their team. Like I typically have at least one. I don't think this year I have any on any of my fantasy teams, but typically I'd be having like one, um, for some reason. But uh, that's this is the reason I wanted him to stay here. I was gonna make a little joke about this. He said this was pretty much the this was pretty much gonna sum up what the game was gonna look like tomorrow or not tomorrow but Thursday. But 
moving on, we're going to do our last, you know, a few little segments. Um, of course, got to do the week one pickums, who we feel like is going to win each matchup. Pretty sure this will be pretty quick. I think we both already got game one from Thursday out of the way. Both, I'm sure, going with the Bucks. If I'm wrong, you correct me. Nah, you know nah. the deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll yeah, let we you can go roll first. Away. Yeah. You let me know. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, for Falcons, Falcons, Eagles, I have the Falcons. Oh, for real? Yeah. Come on. I'm not that crazy. <laughs> Who you got? Definitely got to go with my squad. Got to go with the squad. So. Okay. Uh, uh, Buck, yeah. Buck Steelers, I got, I mean, not Buck, Bills Steelers, I have the Bills. Panthers, yeah. Jets, I have the Panthers. Vikings, Bengals, I have the Vikings. 49ers, I think we both have the 49ers against the Lions. I'm taking the home team versus the Texans, the Jaguars. This might be somewhat of a shocker. I'm taking Indy versus Seahawks. I'm also taking the Titans versus the Cardinals. So I'm sticking, I'm showing love to the AFC South. Yes. I have the football team over the Chargers. It's going to be tough for them going all the way across the country uh, for a 1 p.m. kickoff. Mm-hmm. Nobody wins an arrowhead in September. So I'm taking uh, the Chiefs versus the, the Browns. And I am taking Mac Jones in the battle of the Bama quarterbacks with the Pats and the Dolphins. I am taking the Packers over my boy Jameis and the Saints. It's going to take some time to get the camaraderie together. <laughs> and for this, I am taking the Giants at home. This is a, this is a close one for me, but I'm taking the Giants week one at home. I think you already know for the Rams and Bears, I'm taking the Rams by 20. And for the last game of week one, the Monday night game in Vegas, I am taking Lamar over the Raiders. And one thing I want to add before you go, all these picks are final for week one, but I do I would not be surprised if the Steelers upset the Bills. I don't know. I'm I just I'm going my gut. I've been thinking about it, and I think that that's the one big upset pick. But I think everything else is locked. Like I don't think the 49ers will lose. I don't think the Falcons will lose. Maybe the Bengals upsetting the Vikings, but I don't think that's a crazy upset. But other than that, I don't yeah. see anything else. And maybe the Saints. But yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. And we're going to definitely put these out as well. I'll probably get it out tomorrow. I'll probably put yeah. W's over all the teams you picked. I'll put W's over the ones I picked. We can definitely keep track so I can show uh, how much I'm going to blow you guys out by this. Oh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to do that. We got to do that. Every, each and every week, well. we put, put a little pickums out. We're going to do that for sure. But uh, yeah, like I said, um, Definitely going with the Bucks. Got to go with the home squad. I'm gonna go with the Bills as well in this one. Like I said, I, I can't, I can't talk about them being a, a faller and then I, I pick. <laughs> so don't make no sense. So Bills, Carolina, I'll give them that one. Uh, I don't think New York is gonna have it together yet. I don't even think Zach Wilson's good. Uh this one's a tough one. But I'll go with the Vikings. Go still one on the road. I'll go with the 49ers. I'll go with the home squad for you too, Thad. I'll go with the Jags. I ain't crazy. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, he could do something. Could Not do having it. We lose we won to the Texans. I got got a lot of problems. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, David Johnson. I'm gonna give I'm gonna have like four hundred yards put up on y'all on the ground. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. 
But now I'll go with Jags. I'll go uh I'm gonna go with Seattle for the first game against Indy. I, I think Seattle's still the more consistent team. Um the yeah, I'll just go with I'll go with Seattle. It could definitely be a toss up though, like you said. I'll go with the Titans to win at home because the Cardinals. Um this one's a tough one too. Man, I might come back to that one. That's crazy. This one's tough. Like you said, I, I think Chargers got a lot better, but I think Washington, I just think they're sneaky good. I'm going to go with Washington to be different. You Because you went the Chargers, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I want Washington because. Oh, you did? Oh, they're home. Fault. I'm reading it's it wrong. One, you said, yeah, yeah. Going yeah, all the way right. across the country. Never mind. It makes it easier. No, I'm not going against you on this one. That's, no, a, 10 was, a, that's a 10 a.m. 10 kickoff. A.m. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking it was split, but yeah, I just I read it wrong. I forgot the second team is home team. So yeah, I'll go with Washington. Definitely Kansas City. Um, even though the Browns will play them tough, it'll be a good game. Uh, I'll go with the Dolphins for this first matchup. Okay. AFC East. You went past, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll go with the Dolphins on this one. I think they can pull it out. Mac Jones has looked good all preseason, but I think Dolphins will be ready for him. Hopefully, two is. No, two of all a good two, a good healthy two. Um, Green Bay for sure. L.A. by twenty, like you said. I'm gonna go with the Broncos on this one. I don't know why. I just feel like probably what you said. I think Teddy Bridgewater will win them this game. Man, you get and Danny Dimes will have at least two turnovers somehow. And I don't know Saquon's plan. I don't think he's gonna be. No, nah, he would be a big difference, but I don't. I don't know if he'll play or not. Hopefully. Maybe so, just for my fantasy team's sake. But I'll take the Broncos in this one. And definitely taking the Ravens against the Raiders on a Monday night. So even with all the, the, the running back situation, I think they'll still get it done for sure. Uh, I think we only had, what, like two that were different? Yeah, we had the Broncos. The Seahawks. The Seahawks. 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 Yeah, we had three different games. Okay. Well, what about uh Sunday night though? You don't think any dogs gonna get hurt and Justin Fields come in in the second half though for about two fifty, two touchdowns, no? Nah, ain't no Cinderella story like that going on. I mean yeah. he may come in, but he ain't bringing them back from nothing. He just come in and he'll have to finish the game. But I think LA definitely takes that one. Um I like them a lot this year. Yeah. Especially with you with Stafford, you know, heading that team now. I like them a lot. But yeah, definitely gonna get these out. We're gonna get these out tomorrow, of course, along with uh, our other predictions, awards, records. Um, what else did we say? Awards, records. I know. All pro list. Uh, yeah, and all pro yeah. list. Yeah, we'll, we'll get those out tomorrow yeah. for sure. Along with this one, each week we'll go through. We, you know, probably have some. We'll have people see vote, see if they they agree with us, see who's gonna win at the end of the year. Because I'm yeah. pretty. Sure, I, I feel confident. I be I de- I do decent in pickums. I do but it's, it's crazy because we talk about this every year. Just like, what do we say? With the dra- with March Madness, everybody's back is not going to be perfect. We Our mock draft is going to be trash. Somebody's going to mess up the draft. Yeah. Somebody's going to mess up week one. Some some team is not supposed to win. Yeah. Maybe the Lions come out and go crazy. Zach Wilson throws for 400. Jalen Hurst tears up, y'all. Mediocre secondary. You, you know, you never know. Yeah. So. Yeah, Jalen Hurts not doing that, but I can Memphis definitely Fields comes in early, wins on the road. Derek Carr, I don't know. You you just never know. Jameis throws for four hundred. Aldo's Aaron Rodgers. You just never know. Week one in the NFL is just yeah. all unpredictable. Yeah, like I said, you're right. We, we can be feeling feeling confident, like we're gonna come out of this week 
how many matches is it? 16? Feeling like we're coming out of this week 14 and 2 or 15 and 1, and it'd be like 7 and 7 and 10, or it's not 7 and 10, my fault, 7 and 9. I've had some weeks like that too. So, real quick, I guess we'll end off the show with this one. Some bold predictions that you feel like may happen throughout this NFL year. A bold, oh, I thought, I honestly thought it was for week one, but. Oh, yeah, bold, actually, no, yeah, week one. We'll go week one. We're going to do it each week. Yeah, okay. We, week one for me, I'm going to switch it up. I know I said the Bills win, but a bold prediction that I have is that the Steelers will go into um, Buffalo and upset the Bills week one. That's my bold prediction. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my bold prediction. Um, my bold prediction is that. Nah, I was about to say that. my bold prediction. Matt Ryan throws for four, four touchdowns, four hundred yards. Our defense looks incredible. But that can very. That's not even really a bold prediction. That's like that's very very possible. I think that will actually happen. To be honest. Um, but now nah, my bold prediction, um, what you call it? What I had, what I had. My bold prediction is Mac Jones, actually, because I think I, I did pick against them. I guess we're we're reversing, we're flip flopping. Mac Jones has a almost stellar, perfect game. I don't know. I feel like he breaks some kind of record. Some kind, not a record, but like he has not a breaking a record, but he, he'll have like a high, a really, really high QBR. Like it'll be something ridiculous that we wasn't expecting from him. And he'll throw for like, he'll throw for like three touchdowns, no picks, 320, and they'll win the game. Okay. Not, not too bold, but I think he, I don't know. Like, I think I read somewhere. Oh, no. I think Warren's in to me. He was saying that they cut. Cam, one of the things that they, that I guess the insider said was like he was helping Cam learn the playbook and something else. I forgot what it was, but basically he was like he was helping Cam understand and learn the playbook, and he was just so much further ahead than him um, throughout camp that they just felt like they, and obviously the COVID stuff for Cam, they, they cut him. So I don't know. Maybe Mac Jones really is that smart, like people have been talking about. Obviously, that's not all the tools that you need in order to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but. I mean, he's shown flashes here and there, especially in preseason. So I think he'll have a, a nice little uh, day on Sunday versus a pretty good defense in the Dolphins. So, my bold prediction. With the uh, win, three touchdowns. I agree down. with it. I would have, you know, I wish I would have known it was for week one. I would have had a little better prediction. But I have some yeah. pushback for yours. I like yours, but I think Brian Flores is, Flores is going to have that group ready to go. And I don't. You know, rookies thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns in their first start, that's not very likely. And, you yeah. know, Bill Belichick's not – the he wants to win the game. He doesn't care about the quarterback stats. He's not exactly. – he's going to run the ball. I don't yeah, even see him. Say, yeah. Unless there's some big plays happening, I don't see him getting the 300. But, hey, it's a bold prediction for a reason. So, he could yeah. come out with like a saw in week one. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It, it, he may run a lot, but I felt like – I. It's bold because he put so much money into that office. It's like, all right, I understand you don't like you. You definitely trying to win the game, but you don't put that much money into four guys that's supposed to catch the ball, and then you go out and get a quarterback in the first round that's you know supposed to be gifted throwing the ball, and you don't want to throw the ball. Like, I feel like Josh McDaniels got a little bit on up his sleeve. They probably will run a lot game manage with them, especially 
in his first start. But also, mm-hmm. like, it was unpredictable for them to cut Cam and him be the week one starter in the first place. So it's like they must know something we don't. Maybe they unleash him. Maybe he does you know, have a day like that to where he, he's, you say, tossing the ball around more than we expect him to. But bold prediction. It could happen, could not. That's why it's bold. But shit, is that every, I think we. I think we hit on everything. It really like we no. did two shows in one, to be honest. College football in the NFL, so. Yeah. I feel like we kind of had to do it, but. Yeah, yeah it was good to be back. Yeah. I said definitely good. Like I said, obviously, it's football season, so we're going to be doing this a lot. A lot more often. Sure. Probably have the same kind of same kind of setup anyway, probably Mondays, Tuesdays, something like that. That's where we hit on some college football. I think we did it last week. Yeah, we, we hit up. I think we might have did it on like Saturday. I don't know what day we did it, but I know we hit on some college football, and then we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the games and stuff. But like I said, definitely a pleasure to be back on. Felt good. Felt good to get in these technically two shows. And uh, guess that, that, that – did we miss anything? Nah, we didn't going into week one. Yeah, you know, like yeah. we said, we'll have some stuff out, outlook, uh, for the outlook on the season, but yeah. that's for another day. Yeah, like I said, definitely tomorrow we will we – will, um, we'll definitely release our uh, pickums for sure. Um, we'll release our pickums. We'll release. Uh, we'll release our predictions for Officer Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, MVP, all the awards. We'll release our records for each team, and we'll. Uh, what else we released? That I forgot. I like all pro list. Team. All pro list was the last thing. All pro list. All pro list. Awards, records, and our week one pickums. Be on the lookout for all that. Either if not tomorrow, definitely obviously within the upcoming days leading up to game game one. So probably tease a little bit each and every day. So we'll figure out what we'll yeah. release tomorrow, and then we'll release um, something else on Wednesday, and then probably Thursday morning as well. So definitely appreciate everybody for tuning in. Appreciate y'all for sticking around with us. Um, you know for our. NCAA portion of it, our uh, college football portion, and also our NFL preview as well. Um, before we go, I did forget to plug in our two sponsors. Um, we are now sponsored by iShakers, um, which is you know part of the Bronk, Bronk Brothers. Brothers, why can't I say that? Bronk, Bronk Brothers family. Um, you know, founded by one of the brothers. Uh, <clears throat> iShakers, pretty much, it was seen on ABC. Shark Tank, and it was invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez. iShaker received offers from all five sharks on the show. Kitchen grade insulated stainless steel that will keep your drinks cold and won't absorb odor like a plastic shaker bottle does. Um, like I said, that was created by the Gronk Bros. And it's for anyone that's living an active and healthy lifestyle, iShaker is perfect for any drink, not just protein shakes. And the patented twist and aggregator will break up any powders, but also works as a strainer. Make sure you always get the perfect pour. Use promo code off the ball. Go to, like I said, go to iShakers.com. Use promo off the ball. Definitely help us out. Help the network out. Support iShakers. Support, uh, you know, the Grant Brothers as well. And then my bookie, as always, we've been talking about them on the show all the time. It's betting season. It's football season. It's the best time of the year. Everybody bets. College football, everybody bets on NFL games, whether you use FanDuel or whatever you use. But now use my bookie because with my bookie, it matches the 50% of your first deposit and up to $1,000. It's the largest in the industry, and they have the highest credit card acceptance rate as well. They're fast, they're efficient, 48-hour process, 48-hour payout. And if you use off the ball at mybookie.com, you can get you say you can get this this deal and you can win together. Like I said, everybody, everybody pretty much knows our betters on the uh <clears throat> on the network. 
Pat, Kenneth, Dad, I know you bet a little bit as well. You probably throwing your, your oh no, I'm this season, this season, it's it's up there. Now that I know, you know, we there's a way to bet in Georgia, you know, where it's up there. There's a way to bet yeah. in Georgia. Yeah, there's a uh there's a safer way to do it, but you know, we'll talk about that. Oh, okay. Le- legal legal safe way, legal safe way. That's what I figured. I said I stuck with doing little fan fan duel fantasies and stuff. Like I said, my bookie, I think my bookie does enjoy it now, but definitely check my bookie website out, see if it's um see if they work in your state and definitely um like I said, use off the ball network, off the ball code on mybookie.com and say big with us. But that will do it for us today. We are like I said, what the game means to me, Jelani Brown, Thaddeus Bell. Make sure to follow us on all platforms down here at the bottom. But Twitter at WTGMTM Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, what the game means to me as well um, to catch up with us and everything that we do. Follow Off the Ball Network as well on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, shout out to all those guys. Shout out to Jeff and Mo again for joining us on tonight's show. And we'll definitely catch you guys tomorrow. Have a good one. Catch you.